Live from the studio in downtown <clears throat> Uptown Charlotte. QC Confessional. QC Confessional. Uptown, Uptown South Bend, Plaza Midwood, Noda, Dilworth, Elizabeth, Myers Park, Valentine, South Park, Lake Noik Norman. QC Confessional. May contain adult-oriented content. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, Charlotte? It's the QC Confessional Podcast on RadioCharlotte.com, brought to you by Leverage Lending Group. It's mortgage lending made easy. Give Angelo Datsiris a call, 704-248-8742. It's a lot easier than you think it is. Check him out online, lendwithleverage.com. It's Jenna Gribble. I am here. And Brandon Hitson. Rock and roll. And my name is Ren. And tonight is a much less spooky version of QC Confessional. The weird stuff going on tonight. Have you had any more voices come through and talk to no. you since we had Tina Mark, on? You're going to have no. to listen to the episode eight. Yeah, yeah. you're into all of this Holy like, shit. electronic yeah. shit. What's up? So we were, we yeah. was about, it was about hauntings. We, we, yeah. had, a par- we had a we medium had a, on. A, me- a medium here. No can, fucking shit. She is the executive director and founder of the Charlotte Area Paranormal Society. We were talking about investigations and ghost hauntings, places she's investigated in Charlotte area for yeah. uh, you know, hauntings and whatnot. And, uh, and not just hauntings, but like people call them. To, to say, hey, we're experiencing something. Can you come tell us what this might be and confirm it or debunk it or whatnot? Sure. So um, we're in the middle of that. We're at the end of the episode. We got like, I think it was a 12 minute mark or something, or something like that was left on it. And she was talking about something. All of a sudden, these voices started coming in over our headphones. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at Ren and I was like, and like, and oh, he, it was like a radio, and, he, and he's like, hands up, like, put, we put, we just, we don't, we're not, nobody's touching anything. And Jenna's like, yeah, and the, what was that? Yeah. Like, we stop, it keeps happening, like little spurts of like one words, like, the, you know, coming in real quick. But it was answering questions, which was weird. Yeah, yeah. answering questions that we were asking. The thing was, I was talking about strangecarolinas.com, cool. which is this amazing, amazing website yeah. that I'm like obsessed with. The guy that, or whoever runs it, they always have these like things that I've never heard of, but they're so interesting. And every time I would talk about it, like we would hear a voice come through and Brandon could see the, the monitor. Yeah, I could see the wave. Yeah. And, uh, There's no wave for the voice. But we That's all cool. heard the voice. And so Ren goes, am I going going crazy so he played it back and we all heard it we were mm-hmm. sitting it here it was recorded and then when we got home Rin sends us a on text the recording. and he's like no you guys I just wanted to go play it back and the voices are gone they and I was like gone. what yeah it was the strangest oh. thing because when you're in record mode you can't you know nothing else audio wise can jump on the track well question uh-huh. I'm just throwing this out there sure do you have uh, coded cables how expensive listen it was a cables? ghost mark don't ruin our oh <laughs> uh, I we don't believe in supernatural baby <laughs> Well, uh, who's this we? Jewish people or yeah, you? Yeah, we don't fuck with that. Really? Yeah, once you're dead, you're out. <laughs> yeah, we don't even believe in hell. We don't even talk about the afterlife. What? You're out, you're out. Great, I'm going to get a lesson in... They don't look particularly expensive. How did you bring over your brain? So, so in the, like, typically what happens, because you have two cables, and then like to... I think it's like coding or protecting cables. You have this copper thing go around it. Yeah. Basically, you got maybe you got like radio frequencies from something else coming. It's never it. happened yeah. before. It the happened. Night like, we have the paranormal lady on. It happened. Yeah. Well, maybe she fucking bugged the room. She's <laughs> <laughs> trying to play it in. This whole thing was an Tina's, ad for her. Tina's spider. It was wild, man. What you guys don't get is this whole fucking thing was an advertisement for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's got like a little She's fucking on. voice recording. Here. Oh. <laughs> Right, I can so see Tina doing that. Yeah, right before she gets here, Jeremy, you're on the right. stay on the stay on the line. Just stay on and just talk back. Just right there. 
there's no way for that to come across Guys, on here. I don't believe in ghosts. Like, I think right. it's bullshit. I live in supposedly the most haunted building in Uptown. You, oh, that's you right. really you do. You, you live, do live in there. A bunch of people died little... in there, and like, I think it's bullshit. Let me ask you something. <laughs> Why is it only people who are alone in an old-ass house in the middle of fucked-up nowhere that they see stuff? <laughs> Meanwhile, you live in a creepy-ass old building in, in like the middle of the city, surrounded by people, and ghosts don't fuck with you. I don't get it. It doesn't add up because it, like, it's bullshit. You do, you do live in one I've of the creepiest some, buildings. I've seen I've, some fucked up stuff. I, I got to tell you something. It's not real. All right. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it's bullshit. Would you have gone? So I went to the Chester County Jail the other night with Tina. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> they, listen, things can still be creepy as fuck. Like, I got friends that are fucking weird. I don't think they're possessed. Did you not... <laughs> Did you see the video that I posted on Instagram of the the spirit jumping on me and tapping me on the head? Explain that, Mark. It's probably like a pet dog that you forgot <laughs> you had. <laughs> it, it I couldn't tell from that video what I saw. I saw like the little skeleton there, figure thing jumped okay, around. But what was I looking at? So the green stuff was the like paranormal activity, and okay. I was you could see like the I saw two people white right. talking so the the lime green stuff in the video if you look at it it was it was some kind it was picking up an energy uh, basically uh, and it was there for like five seconds and i had a noise canceling headphones because i was listening to hear like we would ask questions and stuff and then you would hear the voices come a, vo- a voice that's what you were waiting on was to hear like the spirit supposedly reply and all of a sudden the guy's holding it and he's like oh my god something just jumped up there and he's like why, you know, can she, I, I couldn't hear him. So I had no idea until I took the headphones off and they were like, hey, come here and look at this on the screen. And yeah, that was, did you watch the video? I, I did, but I, I didn't know what I was looking at. You were looking at me in the dark in a jail cell with a spirit beside me or something. I, it was something yeah. paranormal. We don't know what it was. All right. So oh, I actually want to change my view on everything <laughs> because by me saying I don't like think it's real is not entirely accurate. I just don't give a shit whether Look it's at real that. or I'm not. I'm changing his mind in five that seconds. That makes sense. Because like my... See, there's nothing there right there and then all of a sudden there's something green. That's me right there in the blue. But that green... That's what they the guys said that it was picking up that it was a spirit. That green light, because watch, all of a sudden it'll go away. See that thing that's like looks like a skeleton up on the wall and it reaches over and touches my head? We're looking at my Instagram page right now. And then watch, all of a sudden it's gone. Because I walked by the jail cell and I, it's so dark and it was raining and it was hot and watch it reach over, isn't that crazy? And then all, it's just gone. And I thought I saw what oh, looked. I, I didn't even realize what I was looking at when I was looking at that. I thought I saw somebody inhaling on like a tobacco cigarette. Like it looked like the end of a cigarette lighting up or like a firefly or something. Mm. And I kind of like rubbed my eyes like, okay, this is the first time I've done this. I, mm. What are the chances that I'm going to see right. something? Yeah. So we went back in there and I was like, I feel like there's like, you know how you just feel like somebody's sitting in the dark or somebody you, like you yeah. feel like somebody's in the room. And I felt like somebody was in there. And so I walked in the cell and there was nothing in there. Then the guy came over and recorded that. And like it, it which it literally was like 20 seconds. All right. So I'm going to show you something real fucked up. All right. <laughs> like cool story, Jenna, but I got some real shit for oh, you. Oh, Jesus. So it, it's well, talk about a one upper. I'm just saying. Um, so my buddy, Daryl, a girl that he dated or something like her friend was in like Alabama and was like dogs or I don't know, dog sitting or something like that. And she sent she posted this on snapchat and um one of her like she was there alone uh-huh. and one of her homies texted her and she and he was like um 
yo, are you there alone? Or is somebody there? And she's like, no, I'm here alone. He's like, watch that fucking video again. Check this out. It's crazy. Look in the... Uh, all this being said, I still don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was like pretty cool. Like this is probably as like real as it gets. I don't care still. Uh-huh. But like look... So she calls over the dog. Look in the doorway. Is he watch? Oh, oh whoa! Fuck. Yeah. Oh, fuck is right. Yeah. Crazy what? shit. Still don't care. But it's <laughs> it's nuts. So who was it? Oh, hold on. You, gotta, you gotta play that shit. Yeah. The cops came. You know, everybody came. But like, so wait. Who? Yeah. Right. So it's Ren. Holy shit. He, so wait. He look in the, in the, the down house the hallway. And she Ren. sent the video to him and said, "I'm." Well, dog- she posted that on Snapchat. She's like dog sitting, you know, this cutie or something like that. Um, and, and her and her friend saw it and was yeah, like, "Yeah, her friend." Or I think it it was either one of her friends or it was Daryl that messaged her and was like, "Are you sure?" Like, because she said she was there wow. alone, uh-huh. dog sitting, uh-huh. whatever. And he was like, "That's internet one hundred and one. Don't tell was, people you're somewhere alone in a yeah. house." Well, but yeah, he was like, "Yo, call the cops or whatever," and like nobody was there like it was all good she ended up leaving like just taking the dogs and leaving oh, I don't, I don't, it's this old I ass would. house in like the middle of alabama so and that's your number you one go. number one problem that's haunted right house so. 101 but like i said mm. they only show up when nobody else is there dude i'd be flying out the fucking window in two seconds yeah, the dude. nearest exit point <laughs> gone ghost, ghost can do i'd that be too. the next ghost like <laughs> <laughs> fucking gone <laughs> I want to come over to your house. I want to oh, come we on. Sh- we should, I just, just got a new the neon sign. I just got a new chair. Yes, I'm coming over. Mark um, lives right down the street from where I work. I actually saw him the other day and I was like, I've been dying to go over because I've been in your building before and it is creepy as fuck. It, Love it. it legit does remind me of the apartment where Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall Dude, move and coming yeah. to that's, America. That's so funny. Yeah. He told me, I was like, listen, he's like, you remember, you remember the movie coming to America, right? I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, so you're going to walk in the building. You think you're walking to the biggest shithole on the planet. Okay. But you're going to walk into my apartment. And it's going to be like the one with the scene where they have like the, the hot tub and everything's, everything's <laughs> all decked yeah. out. Yep. Sure enough, I walked down. I was like, oh shit, you ain't kidding. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, Cause it's a great old building, but it I is creepy it. as fuck. Oh yeah. It's creepy as fuck. Like you go down in the basement, like, I mean, some paranormal shits down there. I, I thought get, you didn't believe in paranormal shit. I still don't, but it's, you know, it's creepy as fuck. And it's, it, other people who believe it will probably say it. So, <laughs> like, um, but you can go like back into the storage area. It's so fucking weird. Like, I need to look that up and see who the architect is on that because it's, it's, oh, it's I not the one there. It's not Lewis or Lewis Asbury, the one that did my building and the Dunhill and, uh, Queens College. There's apparently a, yeah, there was I'll a, have to look. There was a fire in the 30s and like, a bunch of people died. Oh, really? But that was in the Tryon side of the building. Yeah. My build, like my side, the college side, I think that was like built after. So I think they have the haunted one. Yeah. But like people die in my building all the time. Yeah. So it's, mm. it's fine. That's crazy. That's where people go to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Jeez. Cool. <laughs> All right. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff. All right. So joining is- us on our show today. <laughs> What's up? Mark, this is Mark Eckert. <laughs> welcome, Mark. Welcome, welcome. Mark is a uh, pop producer. Um, a pod producer? Indie, indie pop. Oh, pop. Yeah, pop. my pot. Oh. That's a separate episode. Pot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, shit, I don't know what Mark does in his apartment. That's a side hustle, man. <laughs> You're not allowed to do blow in his bathroom. He has I a know. sign for that. <laughs> yeah. I had to make it obvious for all my clients, man. Coming in from out of town, don't know the rules. <laughs> yeah, man. But I met Mark a couple, of, what, Mark, three, four months ago. Actually, more than that, really. It's uh, felt like an eternity brand. On a music panel, um, um, we <laughs> we were on a panel together. And we just kind of hit it off, and 
I can't imagine why. I, well, it's funny. I was like, man, I feel like I've known this dude like forever. Like we just kind of were spitting off back and forth about some of the uh, the gripes and bitches that people had at this music panel. I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me, well, right? Like, my mentality before going on that panel was like, I'm not going to talk to anybody. <laughs> and I'm just going to see who fucks with me after I talk. And you were one of those. And so I was like, all right, we're homies. <laughs> what what music panel was it? Was it something for it, music everywhere? It was. It was for music yeah. everywhere. It was Charlotte. It was Charlotte Shout. Yeah, Charlotte Shout. Yeah, it was one of the so, first uh, oh, okay. panels for that. But yeah, it's all yeah. part of the whole music everywhere initiative. For the so. 250th anniversary of Mecklenburg County, that uh, Shout Charlotte that yeah, they did the big yeah. festival. Oh, that was so good. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, yeah they, really did, cool. they did. I, I will give mad props. That was a great festival. We went yeah. saw um, G Love and Alfreys McGee, and they had them play over at Ramirez Bearden Park. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You were, who else was out there for it was uh so it was anthony hamilton the first night oh, bleachers yeah. second night yeah, Bleacher, we saw bleachers no, uh oh, bleachers was the third night because i night. went and saw them yeah so yeah it was anthony hamilton then right. Humphreys McGee, then bleachers. i went to anthony hamilton so. it was packed they did yeah. not run out of vodka but they ran out of mixers so they were just <laughs> serving straight vodka oh, i mean hey <laughs> i didn't know that <laughs> at some old school r&b yeah. party <laughs> <laughs> god she's some warm potato who gives water a shit about the cranberry let's, let's fucking go yeah <laughs> So, so uh, Bart, tell us a little bit about what you do, and and here in Charlotte. And I know yeah. you you are sometimes in London and all over places, Australia, producing, you've producing been all records over. and. Um, so this is why I go on these podcasts because you made me feel so nice. Like, <laughs> tell everyone my accolades, um, <laughs> but yeah. So uh, I started out as a drummer growing up, but uh, ended up going to Berklee College Music, um, and then I uh, was playing with a couple artists. Um, Moved to New York for a little bit and then came down to Charlotte. Um, I went to high school here, so that's kind of what brought me back, but I've moved mm-hmm. all Where'd around. you go to high school? Uh, Cuthbertson. <laughs> Where the hell so, is that? Yeah, so I went to, okay, I went to Weddington for a year. Oh, okay. And then I transferred the fuck out of there. Cuthbertson opens, <laughs> went there. <laughs> Cuthbertson is dope. Um, but it was basically like a music school. It's a public school, but mm-hmm. like our football team and basketball team and everything was terrible. Um, but our band was, our band, <laughs> was, band killing. was kicking. No, we, we got like first in state or whatever, however much that matters, but it was kind of fun. Um, my band director, first in state, sick. my band director, like I was like, yo, I got flat feet. I don't want to march. And he's like, yo, let's get you a drum set. I was like, great. I play drum set. So I played drum set in the marching band. Nice. So it was like, it was so fun. But anyways, one did, time at band camp? Yeah, no, did lots of times at band camp. <laughs> Kids would be like bringing, uh, this is not talking about anything what you asked me, Brandon, I'm sorry. But, um, it's all good. We would that's, like, that's what we do here. We would road trip down to like for a big competition. Like we played the... Atlanta Falcons Dome or whatever for this competition. It was so mm-hmm. dumb. But kids would literally get just plastered on the bus on oh, the way yeah. down there. Oh, yeah. yeah, band camp is like it's brutal. Kids are like doing <laughs> like getting shit faced, doing drugs before before camp. God, playing the flute is so hard. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, uh so yeah, I started a production company down here. Um a lot of my friends were moving to New York and LA and Nashville and I was like, Charlotte is killing. I love it here. Yeah. Um, city's great. It's like still like what one of the fastest growing cities right. in America or whatever. Um, and I had the internet. So I was like, all right, my overhead's lower than all you guys out in LA right. and New York. So yeah. I was going to build it out of here. Um, so yeah, I've produced over 60 artists at this point. Um, half of them are international, mm-hmm. mainly indie pop music. Um, and then uh, I have an A&R company as well hmm. uh, called thatpitch.com. And then um, we represent about 300 artists right now around the world. And uh, we help to get them on to 
uh, commercials and advertisements, like sync licensing sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, all that shit. And then I drum for a couple of artists that I play with or produce. So yeah, it's nice. dope. Have you guys played drums together yet? Not together. No, no yeah. we're, we're waiting we, oh. for that. We're waiting for that moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we, are, we have a bunch of drummers on the show. Like everybody seems to play drums. I cannot, Mom. I can't do paradiddles to save my life. I know what they are, but I yeah. can't do them very What's fast. What's a paradiddle? A paradiddle? Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Well, I think also well, was, I watched well, a YouTube right. video. Well, I dated a drummer in college. Right so. left, oh, you right, poor right, thing. Right, yeah. Left, left, right, left. Oh my god, he would be like, "Do you want to come to my band yeah. practice?" And I was thinking it was going to be all cool, and I'd get in there, I'd be like, "Oh my god, are you done yet? I'm a, Can I'm we a, please yeah. leave?" I'm a drummer and I'm a boyfriend, and I I feel very sorry for my girlfriend sometimes. So. I mean, he had, he had rhythm. I'll give him that, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. But I do know what a paradiddle is. Yeah. I mean, god, why do drummers always laugh at me when I say that? I'm like, isn't that how you say? It? Like, that's the basics of it, right? Well, you know, what's one rudiment? Like, yeah. That's why. That's the only room. You know what's funny about drummers though is like a lot of my friends who end up getting into producing or like start some sort of company in the industry or something. Anybody who's like trying to just totally kick ass typically like wasn't noticed earlier on. And that's a drummer. It's like, yo, we're like holding this whole fucking thing together. You guys don't know this, but the singer is drugged up right now. The guitarist showed up five minutes late. I was calling him. Nobody cared. I got all these people to this show. And, you know, I want to be noticed. So, like, I'm going to do my thing. Yeah. <laughs> Drummers are the backbone, man. But yeah. So, that's that's the, the majority of what I, so what I do. So, I was, uh, yeah, I was trying to stalk you today on the internet. Yeah. And uh, I was listening to some of the music that you've done. And the, there were three songs on your website. So, my favorite one was uh, High Horse by, how do you say her name? Alala. And, she, and so, she's, from, she's Australian? Yeah. So, she's in Melbourne. Um, I toured with her. Uh, in Australia a couple years ago. Um, we're trying to plan something for like this upcoming year. Um, she's great. She's honestly just one of the sweetest people in the entire world. And she's absolutely like a dream writing partner. Nice. Um, she's great. And um, so we're, you know, we've had talks of like me, her, uh, another artist that I work with um, out of London of like potentially doing some sort of like writing camp and meeting up in Bali or something for like a couple <laughs> of weeks, which would be sick. Um, Amazing. Yeah, but she's great. We played a show on Mount Bulla, which is like a mountain and it's like a ski resort mountain thing. So that was like Where the first it? time we played together. It's in it's in um Victoria, uh, which is like one of the states uh in Australia. Or prop or oh shit. This is not good. I went there and I, <laughs> like a, like a I was there for a month and I still don't know anything about the country. <laughs> um, territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um but she's great and uh yeah, we played a bunch. Um and then we did the whole record out of there. So We've been um, kind of releasing it over time. Uh, we're still working on more songs. And like, you know, the thing with artist development in general is that people just, you know, they evolve. So some stuff that you started on is just not going to be applicable to like where they're at in life later on. So, you know, a lot of songs are just like really personal shit and right. you know can cover a lot of weird shit so well i dm'd you and you didn't check it guys uh, um but i wanted to see <laughs> i wanted to see if you have a spotify playlist like of all the artists that you've worked with and if not you need to put one together because yeah, i wanted I to like I listen do. to your music so like who are some people that like we might recognize here um i mean like i worked with loot He's yeah, a, I saw yeah. That. yeah so i did i did um really cool kind of like remix cover thing of one of his tracks nice uh and then we performed uh at black pearl studios 
um, which is one of the studios I work out of. That's like where the baby did every like all of his shit. You guys, um, I finally listened to the baby today. Y'all be so proud of me. Oh, look at you go, girl. I, I know. I was trying to be hip and pop. Oh my god, because I'm not. She's but with it. She's with it. Yeah, dude, but I really actually liked him. He's great. Like I, I, I met John um, during he was so. So Kevin McCloskey owns Black Pearl Studios and he's like Where's that? Um it's like kind of near where eighty five meets Brookshire. Okay. It's kinda like um past that neighborhood in like one of the business parks. Okay. Um and I mean Kevin McCloskey honestly is like a gem to Charlotte. Like he's he's incredible. Like he has, you know, number ones. He just did a mix for Chance the Rapper, mm-hmm. he's done stuff with J. Cole. I mean he's and he's just honestly one of the best dude you will ever meet he and he's here like, he's like yeah. he's in true okay. yeah, yeah so yeah so he owns the studio um and you know he's one of those guys like the thing the thing why i'm you know i was toying between moving back to new york for a while um you know because i think like any creative you're like oh where is it better and then you right. realize like you're the problem right well fuck <laughs> <laughs> hello therapy <laughs> but um anyways um <laughs> Brandon, don't you do that silent laugh? <laughs> Anyways, but um, yeah, we so, talked about that the other day. Yeah, we talked about. I might need some fucking therapy. I was like, Brandon, get my guy. He's great. This is it. The podcast is therapy. You're talking yeah. about it. You're getting it off your chest. Well, I'm only on one, so Just I'm getting me, it all out. So, yeah. um, but, I can charge you at the end a ridiculous amount of money because that is real therapy. Yeah, this whole thing is endorsement for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Kevin's great, and the thing I really love about like that studio, and I think like the music industry in Charlotte in general is that, you know, if you're good at what you do and you're a good person, you don't fuck people over. Everybody is going to hook you up with everything they can. It's like Mm -hmm. my connections are your connections. Mm -hmm. You know, like any, any way that I can be of service to help you. I agree with that statement a hundred times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, I still think like, you know, some parts of the industry are a little bit like divided here. Um, But you know, like between genres and stuff. Um, And I still think there's sometimes that kind of, smaller city mentality with some of the newer artists coming up where they're like, Oh my God, you know, people don't come out to my shows, blah, blah, blah. You know, you hear that everywhere. Brandon, I'm sure you hear this shit all the time, but the thing is, is like, yeah, it's like, you know, if people aren't coming to your shows, you have a marketing problem. You don't have a city problem. Mm -hmm. People like music everywhere. I was was producing this artist. He's a nobody. He's in Milan. And, um, you know, he would, he's, he's incredible and awesome dude. Uh, Gaetano, he's like, He's a very dear friend of mine at this point. Um, he's like past like client level, like we're homies. And, um, you know, he would always talk about like how he wants to sing in English as opposed to Italian. And we had like a real debate in the studio while I was out there. Um, you know, I was only out there for like a little over a week. So we like we were on a schedule. The label was paying for it. Um, you know, so there wasn't too much time for debate. We're kind of like, all right, what direction is this going in? And you know, the funny thing about like, um, everybody kind of wants to think that where they're from isn't going to be like the best situation. Like you, I'm sure you guys have seen this. A lot of artists who get a big following in Charlotte, they end up leaving, think it's going to be better. And then they go to New York, Nashville, LA, you know, wherever. And they get out there and realize like, you know, this was actually their asset. Mm-hmm. So I was toying between the two for a while, but I was like, man, like, people give a shit about you here. Like, and yeah, you're not it, a number. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, also realistically, why would you want, like as an artist, why would you want to move to a city where there's a million other artists? Right. Like you want to move yeah. to a place, an underutilized 
area where you can market yourself where everyone's going to get behind you. And I got to say, like, you know, you go to Snug or like, you know, any of these like super like, you know, uh, everybody's hole, like hole in the wall places. Yeah. That, like, they love to support. Well, mm-hmm. debate just played there. Yeah. There. Yeah. And I'm saying it like the most respectful way, like hole in the wall. Like these are the like common market and shit like that. It's like, you know, it's all these, you know, super, you know, <laughs> music type people. Yeah. And there's, I think because the city's growing so much, there's kind of like this Chad and Becky versus like Plaza people, <laughs> right. you know, but Chad I, and Becky. Yeah. Yeah. Or like Keith and Becky, <laughs> Keith and Sarah, whatever. <laughs> but the thing is you go to any of these shows, the people who are buying all the merch, people who are screaming along with the songs, having the best time are, you know, those dudes and girls in South end mm-hmm. that, yeah. you know, you know what I'm saying? So it's, right. I think people are starting to realize like, Oh shit. Like, you know, this is a completely sustainable market. Everybody's looking out for each other. Mm-hmm. Like I've, you know, within like the past month or two, I'm like, I'm setting my feet down. Like we're going, like oh, we're yeah. building our shit here. Well, you know, it's mm-hmm. funny to your point about, um, why would you go to LA or why would you go to New York? You know, I, I've always said it's easier to be a bigger fish in a small pond than a minnow in a, in an ocean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, sure. you know, I mean, like that, that's just the way it is. So a, fr- a friend of mine, she, she was, we went to college. Well, I didn't go to college, but she was in my college days here. Mm-hmm. I only she went for went, a year, so that's fine. I went for for twenty five minutes. Oh um, yeah, dude. She um she uh she went out to LA tra- doing the actress, you know, chasing the dream, and she had all the connections and still has all the connections in the world um, through some of her family that, that's in the business. And you know, we had a uh, a, a talk of fuck a little over a year ago. Now um, she was kind of at a point. She's like, you know, I don't know. She was here visiting some family. You know, I'm like, I'm just not where I should be or want to be or need to be. And I'm still having to work, you know, six fucking jobs in LA to be able to support myself and still do, you know, acting roles. And she's, she's been on CSI. She's been on a few things, but nothing like, you know, it's, it's solid, like long term. I was like, look, I was like, you know, look at how many movies, because she still had her mother agency was here and uh, they got her a lot of work when she was going to school here. I was like, why don't you come back? You're at a point right now, you're at the end of your, your fucking lease, sublet the, the last couple months or whatever. Get the fuck back here. I was like, we laid out this whole plan. This is at like, this is at two o'clock in the morning sitting on a dock on Lake Wiley with a bottle of fucking bourbon. <laughs> so we, we came yeah. up with this whole grand scheme and plan of how she was going to come back here and be the big fish in sure. a small pond. And uh, within a few months, man, I was like, you know, you're going to go home Monday. You're going to you're going to get your shit in order. You're going to pack yourself. And in fucking two weeks, you're going to get back here. You're going to start making this happen. Yeah. So since then, she has shot a movie for it's either on Netflix or Hallmark. That's that's going to come out. She's done. um, uh, She's become like kind of a spokesmodel for kind of like what flow is for progressive insurance or or whatever for (laughs) for a company out of uh, out of the UK. That's like motorcycle insurance or something like that. Um, she's got all like all kinds of stuff going. She's yeah. she's an acting coach. She's getting you know huge gigs. She's doing something with uh, a, one of the spinoffs from Walking Dead, um, The Resident, like all yeah. kind of crazy shits hap- has happened for her in one year time that she's yeah. been here, and she's well, like the big fish. In the yeah, small well, I, I think also like <clears throat> there's two arguments kind of against the narrative of like you know if you don't move to L.A. or Nashville or New York, you're fucked. You know what I'm right. saying? Um, and I'd say, honestly, you know, I'd even argue against Nashville to be completely honest. Like Nashville's friend, hard right now. Well, man. it's, I mean, the thing is like with Nashville, it's still country music. Like oh, yeah. I have a bunch of friends out there's cool music tech there, which I really like. But as far as pop music, like at the end of the day, the publishers that are affiliated with a pop publishing group mm-hmm. or label, they're finding the talent in LA or New York or people who've already developed themselves in other places. If they're picking up, like actually from the, 
local, you know, scene, mm-hmm. it's country. Like yeah. that's, that's where the dollars work there because that's where the network is for, you know, actually acquiring capital through sync or any sort of deal. That's mm-hmm. just like, that's the market. But like the main argument that I, mean, I would there's like, a, there's a cool rock and indie, you know, indie rock kind of scene. Sure. Right? Sure. But, but it's not it's, like, no, but it's that you can now. say that in most like mid-sized cities. There's yeah. a pretty. I'm sure Minneapolis is fucking dope. I know nothing about it. You yeah. know, like so. The, <laughs> no, no, nothing against it. I'm sure it's great there. It's cold, but I love it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but the thing is, like, the argument was back in the day of like, you know, you could either be the small fish in you know the big lake and then move your way up, or you could be the big fish in the small pond. Well. I think it's just there's just not much nuance there, you know, because what is honestly the best situation is to become the big fish in the small pond so long as you have a stream to a larger lake, you know, because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if you're in a small community, you know, it's like, I don't know, any any sort of culture, just like going back to psychology of like, you know, you're the average of your five closest people or something like that. You know, if everyone's being a douchebag all day to you, you're probably not going to be in a good mood. If everyone's stoked about stuff, you're going to be happy. Well, if everyone around you isn't achieving shit on a global scale, you're not probably mm-hmm. going to either. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at like Sam Walton. Yeah, he was like who built Walmart. Yeah, he was in Bentonville, Arkansas, but he went up to New York a lot. He went to St. Louis and Chicago a lot. You know, so I think it's good to have that mentality of like, you know, hey, Charlotte is an asset so long as you actually know what a world stage actually means. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, Because then you can act with, you know, that mentality while still investing in an underutilized asset such as Charlotte. Um, That's kind of how I'd like to approach it. And also like the out of sight, out of mind bullshit. Mm -hmm. People are on their own phone more than they're talking to people in person. So that's bullshit, you know? Um, anyways, I just, I'm debunking it all. Man. I know. I feel like I should stand up and applaud. I'm like, oh my God, that give was me, just fabulous. Give me some girl. Well, applaud, girl. Go for it. <laughs> no, Welcome to God. my TED talk. <laughs> I'm like, damn, Mark. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, like, make me another drink. Yeah, girl. You know. Can you get me one too? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I'll, I'll take it on a Dixie vodka. <laughs> Oh, we need more sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> hey, watch out. We might have fireball coming through here. Saying, y'all better yeah. watch out. Oh, it's going to be real shit. Show, <laughs> shit, we're going to start God, recording gosh. these on Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> we'll record on Friday and drink on Saturday. <laughs> God. So, Mark, do you think that helped you uh, going up to New York and kind of being in that environment and then Fuck coming yeah. back down to Charlotte? And yeah. I mean, you that like, big world stage? Yeah. I mean, like, I, listen, like, I'll think like I'm a big deal of like, oh, my mm-hmm. God, like, you know talking to my team or whatever it's like mm-hmm. oh yeah we like we were able to do this this month like mm-hmm. you know um getting a lala onto triple j like that's their national radio it's kind of like if npr and mtv had this huge ass baby and just everyone was fucking obsessed <laughs> right. with it that was her goal like that's yeah. bigger than spotify right. and australia's tri- uh, triple j mm-hmm. we got onto that that's dope but like you know going up to new york or going out to see you know um my friends like uh, you know, in the middle of this month, I'm going out to see my buddies. Um, they own soundstripe.com mm-hmm. out in Nashville. And, you know, talking to my friend Charlotte, who works for downtown music, mm-hmm. you know, it just, it puts everything relative, like, you know, cr- making your ceilings your floor, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that I've been trying to focus on lately. Um, I think anytime you're kind of doing something day to day is like when you stop seeing what, you know, actual, uh, potent, not potential, but like what impact you could have mm-hmm. on whatever you're trying to change. Like, you know, it all comes down to your mission, like the mentality, like meeting people that are kicking ass and like totally just demolishing everything, whatever. It's pretty pointless if you don't understand how it could work for 
where you want to head, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like for me, my mission realistically from like a selfless perspective is I think independent artists in 2019, close to 2020, like I think that there, you don't have to be with a major label. You don't have to wait to get signed. Yeah. You don't have to wait for somebody else to believe in you. You can do your own shit and build your own career. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this victim mentality, you know, because it, it's so, it's so ingrained in the music industry. Like nobody pursues music for the hell of it. It's typically you're here for traumatic reasons. Mm -hmm. This became your meditation. So you're here. So you, when you get here, you know, you get here with this mentality of like, all right, I wasn't shit, but people like this about Mm -hmm. me. So this is now my identity. Like most artists would agree with this. Like that's become their thing. Mm -hmm. So they grow that and then they feel good about themselves, but they still have that victim mentality. And like we're societally, grown up to think, Oh, if you're an artist, you're going to be broke. You're never going to have a family. You're going to get on drugs. Everyone's going to hate you. And you're just going to end up alone and like Mm -hmm. die and just fuck everything. You know, (laughs) that sucks. You know, you talk to a banker. Yeah. It's like you talk to a banker. It's like, yeah, you're going to be set. Like it's going to be fine. Like maybe your boss is on Coke occasionally, but you're going to be good. Like you're not going to get canned, you know? So, and that's, that's really Uh. like the, the end of it. So, you know, I think kind of changing that narrative for Mm -hmm. independent artists I focus in indie pop. Like if you're a country artist, like don't reach out, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll glad to talk, but I probably, I don't know that much about that market. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I've lived in cities my whole life. I know fuck all about a truck, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, Brandon, we just came Brandon here in your truck. Grew up in NASCAR country. <laughs> no, Brandon, nothing. Right down the street. Well, nothing against it. I, you know, it's maybe it's, a little crossover mark. Yeah. Take it to a NASCAR race. <laughs> yeah. Bring a hey, progressive Jew out into NASCAR territory. <laughs> Let's do it. Hey, yeah. I didn't know shit about uh, about country music until to my wife got me turned on yeah, to it. I was like, yeah. uh, I don't know. You yeah. know but, well, <clears throat> but I've become a, a, quite a fan of like a, a certain kind of Like what I've turned you on to. Like, I like outlaw badass like Eric yeah, like, Country. Yeah. The new like bro pop, whatever. I could give two well, shit nah, about Yeah, well, it's, it also comes down to like, you know, something that was like, okay, so something that Seth Rogen said actually really inspired me recently. He said when he moved out to L.A., he wanted to be a comedian and then he got to LA and he met people who really wanted to be a comedian. <laughs> so then he got into screenplay. That was like me when I went to Berkeley, I thought I wanted to be, you know, like just this most badass drummer in the world, like learn all the shit, like learn, you know, everything about jazz, everything about Brazilian music. And then I got there and I saw dudes who like really wanted to be a drummer. And I, and I was like, you know what? Like, I, I want to do it sometimes, like, <laughs> you know, but I'm done crying in this I'm practice s- room. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm not sleeping in my kick drum. Like. Yeah. My, literally, my friend Jake Bruckner would sleep in the practice room. Jake, you're not listening to this because you live in, I think, Fresno now, but I haven't talked to him for like five years. But the thing is, is like he would literally sleep in the practice room right. days on end. It was crazy. Like. And I was like, I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'd like to produce, you know, and just do a bunch of different stuff. I get bored so easy. Mm-hmm. You so know? did you do the, did you learn how to produce stuff when you were at Berkeley or was that strictly drums? So it was actually funny. Um, I actually got into it through session drumming. Uh-huh. So when I was like, I don't know, 14 or 15 or something, um, I got introduced to a studio um, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And I started doing drum covers. So I got like an Alesis multi-mix or something. I started posting some drum covers. Um, the camera stuff was so annoying. So like it went nowhere, you know, uh-huh. but I was like, recording's kind of fun. So I started like, what recording. would you, what would you cover? 
Oh, funny shit. I would actually do like mashups. So I did like South Park songs. <laughs> so, um, oh God. Like, like girl what? talk mashups? Like, like, no, like the, so, um, oh God. Like, you know, the, like all the Trey Parker South Park songs, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, um, I do like like Team America, like their their theme song. Or I would just it was kind of like a big fuck you, I guess. Like cause like to to like dudes who were actually like taking it so seriously. I was like, well, you know, it's like I guess it's like rock and roll. It's like giving your middle finger to the man, you know? Yeah. So I just did like a bunch of theme songs. Musicians like to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I realized it was a terrible point of marketing because nobody looked up that shit on YouTube. So. <laughs> what do you mean you haven't seen my mashup? video yeah like drum cover of rugrats like okay (laughs) (laughs) killing it mark Um, but yeah so do you still have that stuff i'd love to hear it i honestly i think it's like all gone flashback friday on my uh, my stories mark but yeah anyway so i i started getting into that and then my buddy daniel was actually so this was junior year in high school my buddy daniel he was in his early 20s and when twilight was being filmed here he got in with somebody there and that person connected him to our friend Kiowa Gordon. He was living in Phoenix. He was actually one of the werewolves on Twilight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this it was kind of funny because like it's junior year. Thing. Yeah. So junior year like came out. Everyone's watching Twilight, obsessed with it. And then Daniel was like, talked to Kyle and he's like, hey, you want to do like a record? Because he just wanted to like make metal music. <laughs> and so we um, he rent we rented out. um gin blossom studio out in phoenix or like tempe or whatever Uh and i you know i took like two weeks off of school (laughs) flew out and i drummed on the record and like co-produced um and so that's how i got into it i was like oh this is fucking dope and then uh i went to berkeley for drumming but i really wanted to go for music production Mm -hmm. but i got there and the music production um classes were only available to like second year and stuff like that Mm so the first week that i got there um, Mike, I love negotiating. I just find it very, <laughs> yeah, I, I just blow my head off. Oh my God. No, I just, I, I love it. I get off on it. It's so no. fun. So like, whatever, dude. Yeah. yeah it's, well, it's kind of just, you know, as long as you're not a dick about it, it's kind of fun to see like what leverage everyone has. Yeah, I, I can see yeah. you like taunting people with well, this it is, and just fucking with them well, for hours is, this, on it. This is what I did. So first year when um i got to berkeley like the first week you know it's like 10 days of kind of everyone just fucking around like experimenting with new drugs like forming new terrible bands um and like jazz fusion mixed with like a salsa breakdown like it makes no sense like nobody's gonna listen bro it's cool that you can do this but it doesn't make any sense um i i went to the dean of the music production and engineering department and i had done a record out at um, Echo Mountain in Asheville, uh-huh. and that API board was actually the board that he used in Sunset at Sunset Sound, like way back in the day. Uh-huh. And so I went to him and I just showed him a bunch of songs that like I produced and like records I had been a part of, and then a picture of me on that board. And I was like, "Listen, bro, like I was on the same board that you worked on. Like we worked on the same board, and I don't have to go here. Like I still got nine more days or however many days." And my tuition won't go into effect because you can essentially like, you know, just like with any school right. for, for the most part. And so I was like, if I don't, if I can't get into the MP&E department within my first semester, like I'm, it's not worth going here. Mm-hmm. That was my leverage. I was like, mm-hmm. bro, you're going to lose tuition if I can't yeah. go, <laughs> you know? And um, You need me. Yeah. So, I, so he, he realized that like I gave a shit. Uh, we talked a little bit more. He listened to my CD 
and super cool dude. He was like, all right, like I'll push you up. So I got into like some pretty cool classes. I dumped all my liberal arts classes. (laughs) So I dumped English. I dumped history, whatever. And just like filled it with any music class I could because I didn't plan on graduating. I was like, I'm going to learn whatever I can, Mm -hmm. get everybody's phone number and head the fuck out. Did you end up graduating? No, no. (laughs) I I was there a year and um, my dad unfortunately lost his job. And I either could have taken out like a shit ton of debt because my very small scholar, it was a bullshit scholarship. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like a, we'll give you some incentive to definitely pay. <laughs> like, right? So um, I could either take out a huge loan for a music school, which is dumb. Um, or I could just like try out New York, then come down to Charlotte. Take like, what build. you learn and go. Yeah. And I think like my mom went to Juilliard, mm-hmm. like, you know, she worked at Columbia, like she's a bad bitch. Like, and so she, like she, she would say that like, she's great. Um, but she understands like how, the, how it works. She, she was like, just connect with everybody you can. Right. Um, so yeah that's, that's awesome that's kind of like how i feel like the industry works you don't get a job typically no <laughs> no you prove your worth so and the message, give you jobs the message here is don't stay in music school is that what we're saying i mean uh, yeah well the guy justin who it works depends yeah it depends on what you're going for if like you want to teach you know and do it you know i i don't know one person i don't know one person in the industry that has gone to school for what they do mm-hmm. or what they do is because they went to school. Right. Right. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm not saying I want to put this out there cause I speak <laughs> at Johnson Wales sometimes all this other shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I tell them all the time, stay in fucking school, get the piece of paper. But, um, yeah. but I think that at, at the time that I was kind of coming around, there was no schools and the classes. Berkeley was there, but I wasn't yeah. going to be a fucking musician. I was, you know, I wanted to know, or business shit and I already had enough shit going on there. I didn't really want to fucking go to school because I would be taking a major loss yeah. oh, in money sh- at the time because yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I was making really yeah. good money yeah. and um, I think that uh, there just wasn't a lot of options then to, to, yeah. to, to do shit well, like that and yeah. there is now like if, I was, if you're going to go to, to, for music law you gotta, yeah. you gotta go to school for that well funny thing is like I didn't get into App State they didn't accept me and you didn't get into App State and you got into Berkeley? Yeah. My SAT scores were terrible. Like I, Everybody gets into App State. I didn't. <laughs> like, I think they'll take anybody up there. They're like, yeah, come on in. Yeah, I This f- kid's not into horticulture. Yeah, I was just like, uh, it was so dumb. Like, I didn't get in. My SAT scores were just terrible, and I could give a shit about writing a paper on something right. that I didn't yeah. care about. Yeah. Um, it was just, you know, I just didn't care. That's so, where you applied, though? You wanted to go to App State? Well... I basically, I did it as kind of like a gesture of goodwill to my parents. I'm like, you don't seem like the mountaineer type, Mark. No offense, but. No, no absolutely none taken. <laughs> <laughs> you did some music school and a band program. Well, so this is the funny thing. I, I didn't get in there, but I just taught a couple master classes. <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah, so it's like I came back uh, and they were, they were awesome. talking about school and I was like, yeah, guys, I didn't get in here. <laughs> it's funny. So, they asked me to, te- to come speak and, and they asked me to teach a class over at Johnson Wales. I was like, man, yeah. you know I didn't go to college, right? Yeah. They're like, what well, doesn't really matter? Well, I was like, no, I mean, I went for like 25 fucking minutes and turned and I walked the hell out. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, they're going to ask me where I went to school and I'm going to have to say that story. He's like, no, I think that's a positive thing. I was like, I don't find it so positive, but that's okay. If you think so, then I'll go with that. Well, I think colleges can be great. Like universities can be great, but it depends like, like a lot of people I feel go to college because they're supposed to go to college. You're supposed to go. You need yeah. to get the paper. I went to college to for two paper. years. I have yeah. a degree in graphic design. I did very good in school, but I have never, ever used my degree. Yeah. yeah so it's like, and listen, a lot of people need 
kind of that like time to grow and stuff yeah. like that. Like I had a crazy high school experience. <laughs> so yeah. like thug life chose me, you know? <laughs> so while everybody was going out and experiencing, you know, like salvia trips for the first time, I was like in my oh, room God. reading, you know, reading and figuring out, you know, <laughs> trying to get my confidence together to ask out this girl. All college did for me was my parents paid for everything for two yeah. years, just as long as I would go to school. So it was like mm-hmm. I was getting paid to party and like yeah. go to class every once in a while. Well, yeah. but I, th- I think my mom just like totally got it because she was in music. So mm-hmm. she was like, it doesn't fucking matter if he yeah. graduates. Like right. Justin, he works for me. He's the most badass dude in the world. And like, I have no idea why he works for me. He's so overqualified to do shit. But <laughs> like he reached out to me years ago. And, um, you know, at this point he's like full time under me and like, you know, he was, he was at Winthrop and he was there for maybe a semester or two. And, um, he was originally reaching out cause he just wanted to do, he wanted to produce full time. And, you know, there's not, I guess, many loud people in Charlotte producing full time. There's plenty of people doing it, but there's not people like loud on social media posting about what they're doing, right. doing stuff outside of Charlotte, unless it's like label work. And he reached out and he was like, Hey man, I want to take you out to coffee. And you know, just, he was like providing me value. It was great. Like he totally got it. I like coffee. <laughs> yeah. I was like, hell okay. yeah, bro. Get me coffee and let me talk about myself. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> uh, I'm aware. <laughs> so is he doing like kind of like an internship? Well, or no, like- no. So, I mean like he, he was saying like, okay, if I want to do this, like what do I need to do? And I was like, honestly, bro, like drop out of Winthrop, mm. like drop out. Drop the fuck out. You hear and that, kids? You know There's what? There's endorsement yeah. for Winthrop. Well, you know, well, it, it's, it was, he wanted to produce and like he was in like yeah. a percussion program. It was like, right. this is yeah. going to be a fucking waste of money. Yeah. You yeah. know, if they had like a badass production school, like fine, like that's cool, but it was pointless. You so know? did he, did he drop out? Called me up a couple days later and he's so like, give me a job. He was like, um, what do I do now? <laughs> and I was like, bro, I was just kidding. Yeah. And I was like, I was like the Jewish guilt that I have raising up. I was like, all right, you're coming over. You're going to work for me. Shut up. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, uh, it was originally like an internship for a while. I, it was never an official internship because I did pay him. I was like, want you to know I value you. You know, like but you like, saw potential in him and you were like, you're in the wrong place. I, I see that you could actually do this for a living. Like, and yeah. But it's like also it's like anybody who is reaching out to me for months on end and is actually asking for nothing. Mm-hmm. Like the difference is when people say like and Brandon, you know this all the time, like mm-hmm. from people reaching out to you for shows and shit. There's people who reach out and be like, hey, do this for me. Do this for me. I'm awesome. Do this for me. And then there are people that are like, hey, man, what books do you read? Like, what makes you think the way you do? I really look up to you. Like, you know, I want to do this shit. And whether or not you're in my life, I'm going to do this shit. But like, it's like that confidence. It's like, you know, he reached out to me and he was always very cordial. He respected my time. You know, he would always offer to pay. And like, which is like, you know, as a young, like he was a young kid at that time, like working at a, you know, fucking juice bar, you know, and he's like paying for my coffee. You know, it's like, that's a real sign of... He was serious about yeah. it. Yeah. He was like, he was like, I'm serious about this and I, I want to work my ass off. So He's a y'all, great guy. Y'all work as a team now or like, what does yeah. he do for you? So he does... Um, so after, you know, I had to train him on a bunch of stuff um, because the music industry, people think you're just making music all the day. But like, <laughs> you know, 
we're there's a bunch of marketing campaigns like there's a bunch of content you have to make fucking a crm like understanding like your customers and like you know all their contact information um your email list and like all this shit um you know if you know, labels do all that for you that's the only difference so it's like you can either do it by yourself but when you get a label like signed or something they're just doing that shit for you it's the same stuff yeah you know it's no different but i don't want to give equity away so yeah. <laughs> right so um but yeah so it it got to a point where um i started paying him to do uh, some ghost production um some like some additional production work um you know he would help me out on some productions and assist um and you know it was it, he gave me an ability to scale what i was doing um, and I could focus more on business development. So like, mm-hmm. you know, seeing if I could like make some sort of PR offer to the artists and, you know, I wrote this ebook, it was like 30 something pages. It's been downloaded over 4,000 times nice. and, you know, artists all around the world. And it's like gotten people into the H and M playlists. It's gotten people into MTV Italia. What's it called? Uh, it's called release strategy. And it's literally like, what happened is I had an artist call me up and she paid like thousands of dollars on a PR campaign and it just totally shit the bed. Like they didn't even get a premiere and they didn't give a shit either. And she called me up crying her eyes out and I was like, this is never going to happen again to any of the artists I'm producing. So I originally wrote up this big ass thing. I took a month off. Mm-hmm. Like I lost money on this, but I was, it was like from a moral perspective. There's so many sharks in our industry, you know, oh, like fuck yeah. so many dudes with a fucking Hawaiian shirt and gold chain saying, I'm going to make you a star <laughs> like <laughs> baby, <laughs> you know? Um, so I, you know, I took off that month and I literally like took out of savings to buy a bunch of consultations uh, with a bunch of PR agents, journalists. I know, um, and she'd be like, yo, like, how the fuck is this done? Cause I didn't really know at that point. Like I knew a little bit, mm-hmm. I've run a couple campaigns, um, but I wasn't an expert, but I was like, I'm going to just get what the experts say. And I wrote it into this, you know, really badass three part book. Um, and it's helped a lot of people run their own PR campaign. Nice. So they don't have to drop a couple thousand dollars on their first song. That probably is not going to really go that far. Cause mm-hmm. it's their first song. Um, so, you know, th- he gave me the ability to do that cause he was taking on some work for me. Um, and I could pay him, um, to invest in that, you know? Nice. Um, and he also does all the A&R work for that pitch.com. Um, and he's, um, he's going to start helping a little bit more on business development, um, and, uh, kind of helping with like some more product stuff as well. So nice. he's great. So where can, where can you download that if you're a musician? Um, just Mark dash Eckert.com. You have a lot of stuff that's on your uh, page that's very beneficial and helpful. I know one of the things that I saw when we first started talking about having you on the show was we had had Casca Sun in here, Mm -hmm. and I was talking to Dan, uh, the lead singer, about how we can get his music on Spotify. And sure enough, I go to Mark's page, and Mark's like, hey, if you're trying to get your music on Spotify, this is what you do. Because I was like, are Instagram and uh, Spotify linked? Or like, how does this work? And then I was talking to Jacob from Hypnostic, and he was like, you know, you pay a company, and then they take your music, and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I sent out that link to both the bands. I was like, hey, this is how you do this. I mean, I don't know anything about I'm just a fan of music. But I was like, well, damn, you know, because there's not a book that you can go and yeah, say yeah it's just like the thing that I don't like and Brandon you'll agree with this is like the thing I fucking hate about our industry is the constant starvation mentality of oh, like yeah. because at the end of the day there actually really aren't many secrets uh, the fact of the matter is it's like it's kind of a it's a pretty blue collar job I mean, you're doing a lot of like just 
shit work all yeah. the time. Especially now. You know? I mean, like you've got to, yeah, you got to, got to want to do it. I mean, yeah. like, you yeah. can do it, but you got you've got to put I the mean, time it, and effort into learning every piece. Well, the of thing your, is, being incredible at like the music part that gets you in the door. Yeah, but understanding the business shit that actually keeps you in the room. Well, mm-hmm. it's like we were having the conversation. I think it was last week about the baby, and you were saying, you know, I remember seeing him walking around at music festivals in a diaper, yeah. handing out CDs, and mm-hmm. you were like, he actually really knew what he wanted to do, and you, yeah. he's on the cover of that Billboard wasn't some magazine. Dude just being stupid. To no, he, he knew exactly I, what he was doing. I will say. Um, the baby, like he is a, I, I would bet, I would bet my life that he reads more marketing and advertising books mm-hmm. than anybody else I know. Mm-hmm. Like I would guarantee you that he invests a shit ton of his time and his own funds, like to understand advertising and marketing and realizing who to hire. Like, I mean, that's how he got Rico and like that entire team mm-hmm. straight up. Like everybody talks about like these teams of like, yo, I want you on my team, blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, but I'm not going to pay you shit. <laughs> no, he pays everyone very well. Mm-hmm. He's extremely respectful. He's a nice guy. He said from the videos that I've seen of him that, I, you know, I was just scanning it. Um, and cause I like to support anybody from Charlotte. And yeah. like, I just was like, I, I didn't really, I don't know who he really was a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about yeah. him. Um, but there's some really good talent in Charlotte. I mean, do you know, um, Quantrell Coakley? No, Do you know who I, that is? Oh, I've heard that name. So he, so a guy, a guy I know on Instagram, Uncle Jut. He's a very good photographer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's great. I love him. So nice guy. I follow Justin's stories, and Justin had this music on one day, and I was like, "Wait, who is that?" And it was a song called Momentum, and so um, it's it's now being played yeah, on the NBA, yeah. and this guy's from Charlotte, yeah. and he's just blowing up. I even reached out to uh, Vinny, the DJ uh, at Bank of America for the Panthers games. And I was like, hey, do you guys ever play local music during the Panthers games? Because I've got this song. Mm -hmm. And so I sent him the link and he reached out to uh, Quantrell Coakley and I think that they've I think that they've played it I don't know if they've played yeah, it yet nice. but I saw the NBA is playing it and I'm like that's so fucking well, cool and this kind of goes back to like mentality that I was talking about earlier is a lot of artists producers whatever man like people just self-sabotage they like there's different kinds of value and Brandon we've talked about this before mm-hmm. but like the way I see it there's intrinsic value and then there's practical value practical value is literally like you know, uh, just kind of a, a basic thing that actually gets done. Like it's, what can you do? It's not sexy. You know, it's just like, what does this actually do? Uh, and then tr- intrinsic value is kind of like the hype or sexiness and the appeal behind it. So intrinsic value gets people in, but the practical value is kind of like how to actually make things sustainable, make it worth your while. So intrinsic is the emotion practical is the logic mm-hmm. if that makes any sense mm-hmm. and the reason why people go to new york nashville or la is a lot oftentimes it's the intrinsic value mm-hmm. um but the practical value i mean fuck like rent's extremely expensive you'll probably end up working at a bar mm-hmm. yeah. um if you're if you're an artist like i'm being real as hell you'll have to get a day job realistically to get by um and the fact of the matter is if you're trying to get signed up by a label i'll tell you anybody listening to this the best way to get signed is do it yourself exactly well yeah (laughs) make a splash and then they will come to you exactly like the best way to get signed is so is if you don't have to get signed yeah Mm -hmm. you know it's like when you don't have to get signed that's when they fucking want you exactly and that's that was you know so maybe he would have been fine without without uh interscope Mm -hmm. he would have been fine with um without a deal from rock nation like he would i mean the dude the dude was putting i mean he rented he rented out our venue the underground by himself, like yeah. for his own show. He paid for it himself. Paid for it himself. Like he, roughly he put on, like he put on his own show, he rented the room and he sold tickets and he um 
<clears throat> he came. He had. I mean, dude, there was only like eighty people there. Like, yeah. but he but he put on he put on a show. You know, he he did his thing, and I settled with him, talked to him. I settled directly with him. What did you think when you saw him? That were you like, this guy's going places, or were you like, I mean, this not, guy's not crazy? Really we had, well, we had, it's some of the people that were surrounding him that like, there was some issues that night. But uh, but he himself, he was. Uh, I mean, I settled with him. He obviously knew his shit. You could tell this is, he was. A, this is a smart individual. This isn't a dude that's just you know showing up and paying the you know to rent a place yeah. and put on his own show. This guy's doing some shit because at the serious. same time, oh, he's real serious. Because at the same time, I'm looking, I'm watching his like social media and i was like man this guy's going to fucking you know he was going to like texas and doing putting on shows and he'd be in another state the, the next day like he was traveling around and put on shows and then i'm watching some of the shows that where he was supporting other like national artists in fucking arenas mm-hmm. like i was like okay i mean he's well, not he's yeah. not just doing small shit here in charlotte like he might have run out this place to do something here but he but he's actually like oh, doing big things for, yeah. for other artists i mean yeah. he he's great like and, and he had about, a team. Yeah, and talking about like the marketing and advertising. Firstly, he pays everyone well. He pays people on time. He's a good dude. Um, but the thing is, is that like he's uh, he's a master at creating intrinsic value for himself. So, for instance, like like okay, we don't give a shit where the show is. You know, what I'm saying like if you're looking online, no, if you're looking at online, you know, does it matter if it's in downtown Seattle or at you know Kennesaw State University? You know what I'm saying? Nobody cares. They want to see that the crowd is there. It's full. It looks crazy. Everyone's having a crazy time and everyone is drooling over the artist. That's what people want. So, you know, look at, this is a basic thing. And, you know, anybody listening, read um, Sam Walton's Made in America. Like, (laughs) this is a classic example. You go to a underserved smaller market, you know, like look at um, what he did, you know, everybody was focused on like these nickel and dime stores in St. Louis and Chicago. He went to these little fuckhole towns with nobody there. This is the guy that started Walmart. Yeah. He went to these little fuckhole towns. No, it was like 500 people who lived there, but they had no other option where to shop. Right. So you, same thing with a show. You go out to, you know, I don't know, name some co- small colleges. So like I'm going to a show the- Friday night up in Nashville. It's Cody Jinks's plan. He's yep. not signed with a label. He's got yep. two number one albums right now yep. or like back to back week, whatever. He's got, he's doing awesome. He didn't want to play Charlotte. He wants to play the smaller venues. And I'm yep. like, I will drive to well, Asheville. What's, what's the competition? There's much less competition. <laughs> I mean, in that all city. that's up there is the orange peel. We're going to go exactly. see him at the cellular center. It's, it's as simple as this. It, it comes down to economics. If you can rent a room for, I don't know, let's say you rent a room for 500 bucks on a shit Wednesday night. Okay. So a lot of people aren't going to go out Wednesday night, but there's also no competition. So there's right. less people in general, but the overhead is less. And the people who do come out are actually probably going to be continual fans because they're going to go out to other stuff in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So 500 bucks for the room. All right. Let's say you're targeting um, that market. So people within a 50 mile radius of Asheville, you put, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks into that, uh, into Facebook ads, just those people and literally do this. Don't even talk about the music. Give a fucking free giveaway. Like give, you know, everybody gets a free beer on you. PBR each is $2 free keg. Just show exactly. up. Come yeah. on. Everybody who shows get a, gets a free PBR. What do PBRs go for at like these small venues? A, a couple dollar, bu- a $2. Dollar. Yeah, $2. Let, okay. Let's say worst case scenario, $2. Okay. For right. a Genesee, <laughs> you know, you get a free beer, Genesee. Okay. So 500 bucks, um, 200, that's even pretty high because it's such a small market, 
150 in a marketing campaign and then let's say 150 bucks in beer for everybody, mm-hmm. your overhead's $800, mm-hmm. okay? You sell 80 tickets at $10, you break even. Mm-hmm. You get 160 people, you just made $800. Mm-hmm. And then that gets you to the next place. It's not that hard. Right. And the the market that you will appeal to is there you're the only person that is doing anything that shithole Wednesday night. It's rainy. Nobody's doing anything, but they get free beer for tomorrow. Right. They can show up to their shithole job happy because you know what? I went to that show last night and you know what? I got laid. I got laid. <laughs> Wednesday night. That wouldn't have happened. There's a business model. Boom. Oh, there you go. Boom. Uh, hey, you guys, guess what I heard today, though? So, you know, tomorrow, uh, Sturgill Simpson's tickets go on sale. So I heard, so he's alt country, right? Oh, yeah. So he is going to do a collab with Kesha on her next album, who yep. is so pop. So it's her new album is called The High Road. And they're going to be, it's going to be Kesha and Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys. Oh, no shit. What? Yes. And it's coming out in January. So he when he played Charlotte, God, like. Two people um, that need massive help. They go to Sergio Simpson. Sergio Simpson, yeah. I mean, I don't listen to a lot of pop music. I mean, I know who Kesha is. I yeah. I obviously know who Brian Wilson is. Um, but when I saw that collab, yeah. I was like, well, who's helping who? Because like, uh, I mean, that's and then Sergio Simpson is not the one being helped here. I hey, I've gotten that. so many yeah. messages tonight that people are like, did you get the presale code for the tickets in the morning? And I'm like, yes. And so many people did not get them. And I'm so freaking excited. He covered. Uh, I love a good. I love a good crossover like that or a good mashup. Like he covered uh, Desperado by Rihanna two oh. years ago when he played here mm. and when he said I hope you guys like Rihanna I was like is he shitting me is he really about to play Rihanna I could not believe it <laughs> so I think that'll be a really cool mashup I mean I don't know anything about Kesha right now like is she yeah. that's poppy well, I, I remember when the whole legal battle was going on a few years ago oh, yeah. we don't even have to go into that nope. but like um, she's yeah. gonna she's have gonna you ever worked it. with her no, no. I'd love to, but <laughs> put it out there. It'll hey, happen. Hey, I'm. I'll take you on. We can develop you. <laughs> She's fine. Don't she doesn't need you. me. She needs more better people. <laughs> But um, yeah, no, she she's gonna kick ass. But I think like that, those couple of years, that was like it took you know. its toll. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean it would. Why wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean like you even see stuff going on with K-pop right now. Like you know, I mean K-pop. I don't know if you know too much about it. Well, I don't even know what the fuck K-pop is. Is Like uh, South Korea pop. So it's like. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, it's it's dope. And like, there's a lot of stuff actually that like like the American market's starting to pay attention to. I don't know much about it. But then again, I just started watching Japanese anime because of Sturgill Simpson. So, I mean, so, but I have not gotten into K-pop. Dude, Japanese anime is badass. Japanese anime is badass. Like, I was like. You just now started watching that? Listen, I'm. Freaking girl. We don't sit around and watch cartoons. <laughs> you watch South Park? I mean, yeah, I've seen it, but okay. I mean, I've, been, <laughs> the thing I've that, seen it. I mean, yeah, I've watched it, but I, it's, I, it, I don't really have time to sit around and watch cartoons. I really but, don't either. Yeah. I watch a lot of TV. But I, I did watch the Sturgill Simpson yeah. one and I was like, wow, this is pretty badass. The thing that I love so much about like K-pop or J-pop, so like Japanese pop or okay. um, J-hip-hop or K-hip-hop, the thing that I love about it so much is that you know, firstly, like the way that the music industry works there. So, um, for instance, K-pop. So it's kind of similar to Israel in this way. Like I'm going to make this metaphor and it's kind of, uh, a stretch, but like Israel has no natural resources whatsoever. So they were like, okay, in order to make our economy badass, we're going to really invest in technology. And like 
you know, Tel Aviv is a huge startup capital. Like it's fucking insane. Um, so that's why the economy is so well, because they realized like they didn't really have much natural resources. So South Korea, you know, it's in the middle of, you know, a, a prolonged war essentially, or a disagreement, etc. I know very little about politics, but for quite a while, you know, the Korean war was a bit ago and you know, the, the, uh, music industry was kind of a way of like, how can we outsource culture? You know, so because culture is, a, I mean, that's America's biggest export. We always say that. Like, our biggest export is, you know, technology, but really culture, right. you know? So that was kind of their, it was like a planned industry, which I just find so fascinating. And it's cool because, like, I'm really a fan of, like, you know, derivative styles of music. So, like, when music is actually taken from, uh, you know, a more authentic approach, but in a different culture. You know, because they'll put their own twist on right. it. Right. And I and think that that stuff's always interesting it's, to listen it's, to. It's, it's so it's cool. any yeah. kind of new sound. I mean, I always say if it's got a beat, I'll listen to it. Yeah. Like, I, I love K-pop and, like, the industry is so badass. Um, so but, who's big in K-pop right now? Um, I think, like, there's, the, the thing is, is that, like, it's constantly changing. I think Big Bang, like, they're, they're grouped. Do you know what? Yeah. Yeah, they're absolutely fucking huge. I'm not, like, super... You Who know, are the guys that I always see on the music awards where the girls are screaming like it's the freaking Beatles? It's four guys. I think it's, oh, I think that's Big Bang. That's probably Big Bang. Is that yeah, them? yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, the, like girls are like passing out yeah. and stuff. I'm like, what the hell? Well, but, but what we were talking about regarding like, um, I think I went to this subject because we were talking about. Um, uh, well, maybe we'll go back to it. But like in K-pop, because it was kind of this planned thing, and like there's these big entertainment groups. Um, a lot of people are you know, a lot of the artists are kind of coming out of like, you know, how crazy the industry actually is. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, I think we were talking, maybe this is because of what we were talking about with Kesha and like with everything Kesha that was going and- on. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, cause the industry is not always what it seems like they have everything, but like a lot of K-pop artists, like they're on contract and like, they can't be in relationships. So like, like I mean, crazy. all that most fans know, I mean like all that I know about anything in the music industry is like basically what I've seen on VH1's behind the music. Like, yeah, is that yeah. shit? I mean like, you know, you hear about like sync and having like horrible managers and people, you know, pocketing money and stuff. I mean, I'm assuming besides the fact that you don't want to have to pay a manager and a label or, you know, have to deal with that. That's why so many people are just doing it themselves. Well, unfortunately it all comes down to leverage, you know, because, and Brandon, you, you'll probably agree with this. It's kind of like a lot, it, it's changing, but unfortunately the way that the, when an industry is so based off of intrinsic value where it's hype and hype emotion doesn't last forever. You know what I'm saying? It's constantly changing. The trends are constantly being set. You know, what was hip 10 years ago is not hip anymore. So things are constantly changing. Well, the unfortunate thing is like, you know, when it's something is so volatile, you really have to go off of the people who are going to guarantee some sort of uh, sustainability or leverage. And a lot of those people can take advantage of, you know, people who just want an opportunity very quick and aren't really particularly willing to build up their own leverage. Um, the cool thing about, you know, independent music now is like a lot of people are actually building their own fan base. They're building their own proprietary stuff. Um, so when if they do get picked up, they actually have some negotiating power. Back in the day, it's like you really just couldn't market very effectively right. outside of your own city, mm-hmm. you know. And I would argue even marketing in your city was kind of shitty, you know. Yeah. Right. Like promoting early two thousands versus now is completely different. Oh, totally different, man. You know, we used to go 
I mean, this is, you know, before the, in like the early 2000s, before we had social media. Yeah. But it was, in a sense, it was different in, in a couple different ways. So, like, we would go out and we would, you know, we would have to, like, make we fans and we, we would flyer. Yeah. But I put out fucking thousands and thousands yeah. and thousands <laughs> and thousands of flyers. DJs like and fans show. would always come to me and they'd be like, Jenna, Dude, be crazy. go like, hand these to all your friends. Like, I yeah. literally would, not, I would, I would never stop. I would never stop. Yeah. But I also had you know, anywhere between 600 and 1200 people coming to the fucking show. Yeah. So that, and, I, and today, yeah. like all these bands today think like, Oh, I've got, I got social media. I can make a Facebook event page. I can put that out. I'm, and I'm yeah. promoting. Uh, no, the fuck you're yeah. not. Like so that's, it, that's you and a, and a thousand other people that just posted one today. Yeah. You know. So it's like, you know, and I heard something recently of like, you know, if you're, consumers behavior changes your means of distribution needs to as well and your product needs to as well oh, yeah and it's it's the same it's like you know promoting back then honestly i think is exactly the same as now a lot of people would argue that it's completely different like a lot of people that i know would say things are so different now but here's the difference is like nothing's actually changed the only thing that has changed is that you know back in the day yeah you would get like an album sale or more merch and stuff like that sure right but the difference is, is that your overhead was much higher. True. Like, very true. We spent the shit out of some money. Exactly. You really had yeah. to invest a lot of your own funds. Now things can be hyper organically done. Um, you can actually just post and run like a small boosted campaign. It's very little. And as far as album versus streaming, well, here's the difference is like an album. What would you sell it back then for? Like, I don't know. I think we sold, uh, I mean, did we sold 20,000 records at 17 yeah. bucks a pop? Exactly. So, but what was the overhead? I mean, I think I had in a CD that I was selling for seventeen bucks. I probably had two thirty-five into to the artwork and the print of it. Um, and then once I actually had what was printing, you know, yeah, the printing, and then some of the packaging. Call it just under five bucks a you know a disc, it's like four. It was like four seventeen. Did that include the packaging? That was everything. The whole nine. Okay. So but then, and then your market. And that budget. was like, and that was you know not jewel cases. That was I was I always did the fucking. Um, okay, so uh, let's the, the packs and whatnot. Okay, so. well let's say like people did like the jewel cases and shit like that, right? Right. Let's say it was like close to around ten dollars or so. I mean, that plus keeping the company to actually keep your um, your disc on stock, right? You know, because they you were essentially paying for um, like to keep your. Uh, essentially intellectual property on demand so they can reprint right now you don't have any of that you just upload it once it's on the cloud forever it's all profit it's a lot of word of mouth too like i mean i think the way charlotte is so small i mean that's one of the reasons when brandon and i first started doing the podcast you know i was like we know so many great bands that like people are like what are you listening to i get the question all the time like what are you listening to because we're always listening to like different stuff but i think it's a good way i mean you know, when, when somebody good comes along, like I want everybody to know about it, you know? Yeah. And it's uh, cause I'm always looking for new music. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, people trust their friends over everybody else. Right. So, I mean, my favorite bands, my friends introduced me to. Who you know? are you listening to right now? Oh man. You know, it's kind of funny. Like a lot of what I'm listening to right now, I'm listening to older records and I'm trying to hear new things. Um, so as far as like new music, are you listening to record actually a little, are you actually listening to records? Sorry, I'm trying to use my words. So uh, us in the industry, when we say record, we mean like what you would call like an album or CD. (laughs) I, I do like a vinyl not, record. I, I mean, I, I do listen to vinyl. I'm sure I Mark do, listens yeah. to vinyl. But well, like when we say record, I was about to say we mean your like, disc changer. What are you a, listening to? A record, like a collection of songs what by an artist. What tapes you got? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, so like, but vinyl is making wife, a huge. Hey, my wife asked me for that so. shit. She's like, what do you, "When you say yeah. record, like, what do you mean?" I'm like, "The record, the, yeah, the yeah. fucking, the fucking record." Like, what yeah, do you, I, are I mean, you listening like, to a CD? Or like, are you listening on Spotify? Or what? How are you listening to your I, record? I listen to it in all forms, but I listen to a record and I don't really say like, oh yeah, I checked that out on Spotify. I checked out that artist's record. However, I listen to whatever but it's platform not, you're I You're not talking to. about a vinyl record. You're just talking no. about the album. I'm talking about the actual like recording All right, itself. well, to the rest of us, normal people not in the like, music industry. That, yeah, the unfortunate... <laughs> I was like, what did I just say? Well, I was afraid to tap Well, I think you were asking a question that... that, that well, so many people to, are yeah. listening, and you say you're listening to older stuff. I have, <laughs> yeah, well, I so probably that, have over 500 records in my yeah. house, albums, vinyl albums Get in it, my girl. home. I'm a very big uh, Sun, st- a Stun Studio. Like I have a shit ton of Elvis in my house. That's dope. So that's why I wanted to say because vinyl's yeah. coming back, Brandon. Uh, vinyl's about to outsell the CD for the yeah. first time in what 20 yeah. or, or something crazy. It was just yeah. it just came no, out the other just, day. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. But I think this also kind of breaks back into is when you do music full time is you start correcting all of your friends. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sorry. So, yeah. Listen, no. Rewind that tape and well, flip it like, over. Well, no, it's like we start thinking about like everything technically. I mean, like I, you know, it's funny when you first get into music, you're thinking about it. It's just like, it's extremely enjoyable. And then it's like, you have to get to different, deeper layers of like why y'all I can hear, enjoy this. Y'all hear things that I don't hear. Like I can go to a show at the Fillmore. I have a group of friends that refuse to come to the Fillmore because of the sound. And I'm like, because what do you the mean? Sound. The sound sounds fine. I don't know. It's oh, because it's not like the record thing. probably yeah, or something. Like there's something. Any live show sound. is not exactly going to be the record. If you want to go see a live show that sounds just like a record, just go home and put on the fucking <laughs> yeah. stereo and turn it yeah. up really fucking loud. So I mean, and back, you know what? That's not a venue problem. That's, a, that's an Brandon's artist. Brandon's getting all offended oh, and shit. Dude, it, 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 These guys are me, like hardcore. That like, drives me insane. I know. Like, I'm like, why I don't hear what y'all hear. Keith and Becky's are at it, guys. dude, why would you want to go to a concert to hear the record exactly like you can hear it in your fucking car? Yeah. So, Mark. I don't understand that. No, bro. I'm like, with you, bro. And, and then when people talk about, man, the sound sounded really shitty tonight. Okay, well, you know what? They got a really sh- shitty sound guy with them. I don't know. This, like this is all This is all going to go back. If you're trying to figure out how to perform your pop record into a live show, go to my site. I got one called Performing Live. <laughs> yeah, right? You can figure out how to run all your backing tracks. So, oh, my God, Mark, dude. Bro, I get it. That's to... a panel we need to do. How to perform live. Yep. Well, listen. So, like, when people, when we find out concerts are coming out here in Charlotte, my biggest thing is I hate PNC. I do not like going to PNC. I don't like the drive. I don't like going out into the parking lot and having no security. I'm like, there's always drunk people fucking with you. Like, there's, I just don't like PNC. You don't like the experience of an amphitheater, not because about PNC, but the experience of amphitheater. Not PNC. Just like, yeah, I just, it's far away. Um, You know, I like to see shows in smaller venues. I love the Orange Peak. I, up in Asheville I love like uh, the Great Eagle in Asheville I love I like uh, the visual light a lot um, like but for big concerts like when I when we had the conversation about Sturgill and I said mm-hmm. hey this is the date and you're like oh that's easy it's gonna be at PNC well, he's playing Spectrum I hate I hate arena shows so now why do you hate so, so we were talking about him. Billy Joel going the into is, the sound is the there sound is, no, is, is there was is no arena ever built for a concert. Yeah. So we were talking about Billy Joel concerts. today and like how it's not sold out. Like I'm going, uh, we're going to Elton John on Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. He's playing at Spectrum. I think it's almost sold out. Billy Joel at Bank of America Stadium, not even close to it sold out. It just went on sale. Yeah, but I thought like, I thought Fuck like. The, the girl, they got like 60 something thousand seats to sell to in, in, you know, between now and April. Like well, that's going to take some time. Trust me. Well, I mean, I just thought the sale, I thought it would be, are you going? <laughs> Fuck yeah. Are yeah. you really? I'll Fuck go, yeah! I'll, I'll go say to it a again. Are you going to see Elton John on Wednesday? No. 
So, well, how, okay, they're basically the same, um, I mean, era kind of, I mean, way different artists, but I mean, probably most likely both of their last tours, probably, right? I have a session Wednesday night, so I'm in the studio. <laughs> or else I'd be That's there. my excuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I don't, I, I can't stand an arena show. There's no experience. There's no like atmosphere. Oh, I, like, I call so bullshit nothing. on that. On, so on I, saw, I saw the Rolling oh. Stones play at Bank of America Stadium. No, 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 no. You're talking about Bank of America. I'm talking about Arena Oh, you're show. talking about, okay, Spectrum. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. I, I haven't you. seen, I think I've seen one show in an arena that I enjoyed, and that was U2's uh, Elevation Tour. That's it. I saw. That's the only one. You can never, you can never beat Bono. No. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna boast. I met Bono in Milan. So <laughs> what? Come here. Let me touch you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Still haven't washed my hand. That's three years ago. Uh, how'd you? <laughs> how'd you uh, tell it? Tell us what happened. Oh, literally the artist I was working with, Gaetano. He, uh, his label hookup in London was like. Yeah, he's getting um, he's getting off of a plane. <laughs> it wasn't like a cool. It wasn't. It definitely wasn't like a cool. Like, like in yeah, the our agent experience. Um, at the studio. Yeah, we're gonna hook you up. Um, yeah, he's gonna be in room B. Um, we have the secretary waiting for your arrival. No, it's literally like Bono's getting off of a fucking plane. Let's show up at the airport. <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah, and I gotta tell you, um, that made me completely uh, disregard anybody's ego afterwards in the industry. Um, Brandon, I'm sure you've walked into a lot of ridiculous egos, especially in live sound or li- or live shows. Um, just like you know, people putting to like asking for just ridiculous shit. Oh yeah. Same thing with me in the studio. It's like no, fuck off. <laughs> like, yeah. um, I only want the green M and M's. Yeah, that's an ups- <laughs> that's an upsell. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but yeah, he was. Um, he stopped. To, like there was probably twenty or thirty people outside. Um, it's a you know private plane. He just got off you know of of the plane and he was the sweetest dude in the world shook everybody's hand talked to each and every one of us like a real thorough conversation just so in it for the right reasons and was just a genuine dude that's like no ego whatsoever so that's cool anytime i see like somebody acting up about themselves like (laughs) just fuck off like (laughs) yeah you know Um, it's just not like it's not worth it in our industry because if anything it kind of just like ruins all of your chances yeah, yeah. you know it's, it's not I mean like all, all of my favorite records aren't like the huge you know well, like we'll the get back to what I asked you, uh, well, you, you what, what are you listening well, to well it kind of goes back to like albums well it kind of goes back to like all like all the musicians I like are like tastemakers and like so like all of the records I, I don't know what that means so what basically not tastemaker it's like what? not a household name. It's like somebody who really kind of shaped what the sound became. So cough so, it up. Who are you okay, listening so to? So like for instance, and I'd say this is probably the most household name, if anything, that I listen to like regularly. My favorite record of all time is Manners by Passion Pit. Like, oh, okay. Well, so well, that, Passion Pit. Yeah, that record absolutely saved my life. Um, the producer, Chris Zane, one of my, probably the or tied with my favorite producer as my favorite producer of like all time. I also produced St. Lucia. Um but you know, like that, that record is just absolutely fucking incredible because like the, and what I'm discovering about it, I used to just be stoked about the sounds, you know what I'm saying? Um, but what I love about it is how much it actually encompasses like the entire meaning behind the record. So like, it's funny looking back, it's like on all these target commercials, right? Like, you know, and all, all these like super hip, like, Oh my God, go buy our stuff. Like, it's great. It's so fun. It was very syncable stuff. Um, but what's amazing about that record is like, 
that record was straight up written during some extremely tough times right. for for Michelangelakis, um, to put it very lightly. And you know, these songs are really hot, like extremely fun and uplifting, and like you know, everyone gets stoked about it. Meanwhile, all the lyrics are about like you know, attempting suicide, having you know, mental uh, disorders, and you know, um, a lot of unfortunate things that are going on and it's a very sad um thing and it's kind of funny because i think that really sums up a lot of people's experiences having this outward approach of i'm happy everything's great but everyone's kind of struggling on the inside so i'm kind of like going into this more earthy thing (laughs) but like you know i just love that because you know that record the sound of it and like completely embodies um kind of like human emotion in general i just love that um but a lot of the artists that i'm listening so that that record's obviously fucking dope um (laughs) but um kids of 88 sugar pills um that is a big record that joel little the producer of lord you probably know lord so lord was like the the global breakout for not only him but probably new zealand's music scene but kids of 88 sugar pills um kids of 88's the band sugar pills is the record um that was a huge like within New Zealand. Um, but again, like a tastemaker, these all were like synth pop before synths really started gaining a lot of traction again. Um, and then I've gotten really into like some, uh, I'm really into kind of secondary or tertiary markets, like, uh, artists in smaller cities because I feel like everyone has a chip on their shoulder. And what's even more cool is like all the artists that I work with outside the U S are so desperately trying to prove themselves to the American market. Like we don't realize this, but the American market is absolutely the most important market within the music industry. For sure. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. And so like every artist that I work with, whether they're in Italy, um, arguably the UK, definitely Australia, um, South Africa. Um, you know, I had an artist in Croatia. They're all like, I want to prove myself in America. So what ends up happening is they typically work like two or three times as hard so um, I'm going to pronounce this terribly, but Vremia Isteklo, um, it's this Ukrainian group out of Kiev. And I love it because it's kind of this, um, it's like this derivative mid 2000s pop, kind of like in sync sort of stuff mm-hmm. with production styles of today. Um, but everything is in, um, you know, it's not in English, obviously. Um, and it's kind of cool because obviously the what's going on with Ukraine and um, Russia with the Crimea thing. So you kind of see politics playing play into a lot of the stuff going on. Like they can play, uh, in Moscow and they're signed to, I believe they're signed to Warner Moscow. Um, but you know, they're Ukrainian. So it's like this hard thing. They don't know how to tour. So they're having a lot of problems because like they really want to kind of bring the people together and like, you know, be the pop artists of their nation. But it's this weird conflict because like, those are two primary, you know, Russian markets. Um, but the larger market obviously is in Russia. Um, but they're, um, but they live in Kiev. So it's this hard thing. Like they can't tour in Kiev or in Ukraine because there's a bunch of political stuff going on. on. I just find that so fascinating. And like Ivan Dorn, he moved out to LA. Um, he was a Russian artist and, kind of being persecuted for essentially being gay. So he moves out to LA. All of his music is sort of kind of like very political about like being out in, in uh, America. I just find it very cool. Oh, what yeah. do you, what do you think of the synth pop? Uh, the only synth pop that I can really 
think of is yeah. so I've done a couple of stories on Humphreys McGee and I've become friends with one of their um, tour managers and Ryan Stastic the bassist has now got this new side gig and yeah. they came to Charlotte uh, I want to say three years ago for the PGA and mm-hmm. uh, Moon Taxi opened up and then Umphreys oh, McGee. Oh, Moon Taxi? Yeah, so I got to interview Moon Taxi. That's they dope. were awesome. But uh, then Umphreys played two nights over at South Park and so Ryan has a side gig. It's called Doom Flamingo and That's it's cool. kind of like, oh, yeah. so I saw them. So they, they came and they played and then they played Shout Charlotte this past year yeah. and so his buddy uh, Hank calls me up. He's like, hey, yeah, you want to come check out this after party? You know, yeah. uh, Ryan's band's going to play and it's like this such cool sound and they did a cover of uh, Legs by ZZ Top oh, dope. Yeah. and it's a it's a female singing and he's playing bass and yeah. whatever and so basically they pay, played like they pay, played two nights and then they did an after party so I mean they played for like four and a half hours like it was cr- like he yeah. did because he did the first two shows but have you heard of them? Doom Flamingo? No, I haven't. That sounds dope. <laughs> you guys got to check them I, out. I, I know the thing what it I, is. Yeah, they're, they've yeah. got a crazy awesome following and uh, just a cool yeah. sound. The thing I love about indie pop is, um, I call it economy pop. <laughs> it's like it's, it's like pop music. It sells, it's like cheap pop music for people who are too ashamed to love pop arrangements. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, well, we're just going to fuck it up. Like yeah. every time I send... Um, one of the tracks to get mixed because uh, Kevin McCloskey does a lot of the mixing for me at this point. He's amazing. And, um, he'll always tell me because he's, he's typically doing like big league, like top 40 and like big league hip hop shit and like amazing stuff. And, um, I'm like one of the first guys, if not like the first guy that's worked with him that just like indie pop, like strictly, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't want that top 40 sound. Um, and, he always tells me, he's like, yeah, man, like your sound is kind of like, you know, like pop music, but you kind of, you know, you get it really good and then you kind of like fucking it up. <laughs> like, <"Yeah." laughs> I was like, that's it, bro. <laughs> well, listen, so, why don't we, uh, let's take a break. I want to come back and talk more about indie pop and the indie pop scene here. Sure. And um, uh, streaming. We talked about streaming the other day. Yeah, dude. We got to talk. I would like to talk some more about streaming. Yeah, buddy. All right. We'll be back in a few minutes. More with Mark Eckert, indie music producer. You can check out all of his information and download some of the ebooks, mark-eckert.com. It's a QC Confessional podcast brought to you by Leverage Lending Group, mortgage lending made easy. Give Angelo Datsaris a call, 704-248-8742, or at lendwithleverage.com. We'll be right back. Charlotte Radio that rocks. Turn myself into a pickle, Morty. I'm pickle red. Charlotte. Thank you. If you weren't listening to QC Confessional, this is what you missed. I think a lot of people are just terrified because they don't know. They just don't know. I don't put them in the most expensive loan or the most expensive house that they can buy. Right. I want to make sure that you guys feel comfortable with this payment. Let's do the math. And so then they're like, oh, wow. Yeah, I can afford a $350,000 house, but I only want to afford two seventy. dollars I think um, people get terrified about that whole, like, if you check your credit score, it's going to drop like 100 yeah, points. Right. I'm so like, bullshit, dude. what the hell? Like, I need to know. It's my credit. So I want to know what my credit is. Yeah. They used to ding it just maybe a little bit. So, it is an inquiry. But now the repository 
they understand that people shop for mortgages. So you can get what's called an RMCR, a residential mortgage credit report. You can get pulled four or five times within a 30 day window and it's not going to affect your score okay. any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. So when I pull your score, when I pull your credit, I shop that to all the different banks. And so I'll do the shopping for you. So like I'll go to Publix for you. Can you get on 7-Eleven you know? and grab a six? I know. Yeah, I was I like, gotcha. wait, Publix? I'm like, yeah, what are you, you going to get a sub? And I will find you the best <laughs> price. Radio Charlotte. Hello, I'm Angelo Dutzeris, a.k.a. CLT Mortgage Guy, President CEO of Leverage Lending. We are Charlotte's premier five-star rated local mortgage company. We understand the mortgage process may be confusing. At Leverage Lending, we leverage our online digital platform with our combined experience of over 20 plus years to create a streamlined process to get you from application to closing with ease. If you're in the market to purchase a home, we can get you in with as little as 3% down. Contact one of our expert consultants today to discuss your home finance needs. At Leverage Lending, we make lending easy. Leverage Lending Group, lending made easy. Call 704-248-8742 or visit their website, lendwithleverage.com. Equal housing lender, NMLS license number 40030. And we're back. QC Confessional Podcast on RadioCharlotte.com. We're here with Mark Eckert. He's an indie music producer here in Charlotte, mark-eckert.com, E-C-K-E-R-T. And we're talking about the music industry here in Charlotte. All right, so Brandon, I see your notepad over there. What you got? You got a list full of questions. Brandon well, is famous for his notepad. Oh, it's pretty do, cool. I have a fucking notepad for notepad for everything. Everything. It's really cool. Like I keep going in my bag wherever it's at. It's Brandon's a great it. listener. I can't shut the fuck up. So it's like it's nice <laughs> having him around. Why do you think we've hey, been man. friends for so? We've been friends since like high school, and Brandon is like yeah. I, I, I think Brandon is very uh, like sweet and humble and <laughs> passive and patient, and his wife would beg to differ. Um, I got Jesus a phone Christ, call from you her. give me a lot of credit. <laughs> <laughs> but like, Brandon, we just, uh, yeah, we, I mean, we're a lot alike, but at the same time, but we're, we're very different. But uh, yeah, I like you, are, you man. are good. You learn from people by listening. Yeah. Like, you know. I feel like Brandon and I are twins, but he's, yeah. he's matured more than me. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking, we were having a, a, a coffee coffee break the other day. Where the fuck were we at? People's Market. People's Market. Yeah. Literally amazing. Yeah. Love it there. Yeah, we had a coffee break. We were talking. We just, you know, uh, it's very rare to find somebody. Like, I know a lot of people in the music scene here. A lot of musicians, mostly musicians. But um, it's rare to find somebody that you can, like, that's kind of on your same level of, like, well, I mean, I don't know. How old are you, Mark? Like, <laughs> you can guess. I, I don't, you're, you're I don't even want to. Mark's I don't probably know. younger than the guy that I went out with yesterday. <laughs> what, what you, no, seriously, what do you guys think I am? I don't know. I want to say you're, like, You told me, but I forget. But I, I 26, 27? 25? 25 yeah. 25 <laughs> Jesus Christ yeah. so, so you know I, I, I find, it's hard to find people that you can kind of connect with on a uh, music level that's kind of doing just doing shit yeah. you know just doing it and doing it right and got a good I attitude and, 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 and you know um, and I'm, I'm inspired by a lot of people and, and, I, and it's funny because I I wake up in the morning and we were talking about this driving over here uh, he was like, you know, I love your memes and all this motivational shit you post. I'm like, dude, I post one to every 50 I fucking read. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's how I get to my morning. I go through, ah, fuck me. Yeah. And I, I literally sit in the bathroom before I do anything, get a shower or nothing. I just sit with my feet up on the fucking counter and I'd scroll through a shit. I'm like, okay, I'm motivated. Let's fucking go. Let's yeah. make this fucking day happen. And uh, it's like 6.30 a.m. Sitting oh. on the toilet reading a bunch of... I don't really of, do on the toilet. But <laughs> no, I have, I'm just saying sitting on... a chair on, in the bathroom. I'm just imagining sitting on the toilet reading a bunch of motivational memes like, what is my life become? <laughs> I am way more motivated now than I was when I was 25. When I was 25, I didn't give a shit. I was like, I mean, I was making I good money. I can't really say the same, man. Like, I was a motivated, You've motivated motherfucker really motivated when I was 25 I'm, years old. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. But I think when I was that 19, I was motivated. Like, I was yeah. going for it. But yeah. Well, you were running clubs and shit, and you were always, you know, like, you were never handed anything. I feel like you always work for everything you had. I mean, you had the you had the platform because of your dad and the in the clubs and everything. But, I mean, I know because I would be out partying in your clubs and you'd be there <laughs> working. And I'm like, when when do you not work? Like, when are we yeah. going to hang out? <laughs> or I'd be coming to never. see this band play. But I think, uh, you know, age is just a number. I mean, the people that I hang out with, my two best friends, one of them is uh, 31 and the other one is 72. Yeah. I mean, those yeah. are the two people that I enjoy talking to the most. Yeah. So, well, I'm always trying, trying to find people that I can like learn learn from. Like, mm-hmm. That kind right. of inspire me. There's not a whole lot of like, you know, uh, not not that there's not a lot of people around here that inspire me, but like I feel like a lot of people come to me for advice and like, yeah, hey, what do I do? How do I do this? And which, which I absolutely love giving people like, because I've been through a lot of this shit when it comes to music for as far as like playing live, how to do this, how to do that. Right. Learn, like, learn the hard fucking way and I want to help people be able to, to not have to go through some of this hard shit if they'll listen. Right. And, uh, That's and help, the thing and, that, and help will them, they listen? They'll listen and some do yeah. and help them skip some steps and kind of jump ahead a little bit further in their career as opposed to going through it. And sometimes shit you just have to fucking go through. Right. Like, you have to figure the fuck out. Well, you saw the thing but, that I posted the other day. Of, Sorry, go ahead. But, but there's not a lot of people that I can like sit and like bullshit with, like with with Mark and like who gets it, yeah. who's like we're we're 15 years you know difference in age that gets it on on the same level, who's done things, who's successful, yeah, who's done things and is doing things and will continue to do things that like I don't you know get the, that I don't know about it and I've learned about. It. He asked me a question today. We were talking through text about yeah. Um, I was texting like two o'clock in the morning. I was like, bro, sorry about the fucking late text. I, for, I forget like what hour it is. I don't, I don't think in terms of day, you know, the day is like in like an hour is what time they are. I, I'm texting people at like two or three yeah. o'clock in the fucking morning thinking like, Oh, well, if they don't see it, they'll see it in the morning. All of a sudden yeah. you see, you see, see we're flying. I'm like, Oh, some bitch is awake. Like, yeah. You know? But, um, I asked me something. We were about, um, about streaming. We were talking about, you know, streaming yeah. revenue and within the rock world, um, I mean, it's there, but like even with some of the artists I work with, you know, they're, I mean, they're making money and like one of the artists that manages it is making money was, was streaming, but we were talking about sources of revenue or something. And I was yeah. like, you know, that's definitely not their, their key point. I was like, I just don't think that people need to put all their focus on streaming and, and Mark is in the, in the indie pop world where it's much larger than yeah. what it is in the rock world. They're not doing as many shows. And I didn't even know that there was that big of an uh, indie pop scene here in Charlotte yeah. until we did this, the, the panel together. And he's like, oh, bro, it's fucking huge. He's like, there's a huge scene here. And when I th- think in terms of a scene, I think in terms of like, I can go out and see these artists perform yeah, and play yeah, live yeah. around here. That, so, but you mean and streaming? I think this, well, I think, uh, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with like the intrinsic value of Charlotte. The unfortunate thing is, the fortunate and unfortunate thing is the fortunate thing is like there's a lot of people doing shit here that and they're like killing it kind of more on like a national or global level the unfortunate and they're very very accessible you can meet up with them they'll grab coffee you know like you'll be invited to their wedding like it's a blast you know like your homies the unfortunate thing is that they're not going to claim the city so we're seeing a lot actually i think the baby did a lot of that to kind of like reshape it he's talking about charlotte He's wearing Charlotte jerseys. Yeah, you know what? It's like, I find it actually amazing that like a lot of uh, publications haven't, you know, in Charlotte, haven't given him as much praise as I truly think he deserves. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, you know, Charlotte hasn't gotten much global. I think we're like a gamma city on the, there's like alpha, omega and like gamma city. And I think we're like a gamma plus, which basically means we're like a mid tier city and we have some stake in the world economy. But like, you know, we have a larger economy than Nashville, but Nashville gets a lot more press. You know, nothing against Nashville. It's dope. And Austin's dope. Like all those kind of cities at the same tier. 
you know, it, but the thing is, is that like, there's a lot of shit going on here, but for some reason it just, it hasn't been sexy because nobody's claimed it as sexy. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people will do big shit here and they actually stay here, but like they'll go to an apartment like in New York or LA and they'll just claim New York or LA because it makes them seem more sexy, you know? And the thing is, I don't want to throw people under the bus. So I don't want to say like specific people, but like there's a lot uh, no i just like there's a lot of really great artists that don't claim this city unfortunately but yeah. they live here right and they're touring internationally but they don't claim yeah. it here yeah i think that's just very strange like i claim it yeah you know i mean well obviously i claim it i'm from here but i think it's important too and i think it's kind of like your to, to me it's your kind of a responsibility as an artist that's that's always talked about the scene and wanted to be part of a scene and like, and, and, you know, and being, you know, kind of in it and helping everyone to come up when you have that opportunity, like claim your town, yeah. claim your town and bring and bring your people. Like, you know, the Avett brothers are from Concord. Yes, yeah. It's Concord. It's not Charlotte, but it's, but it's 20 minutes off the fucking road, bro. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and not that they don't claim Concord, but like it's, it's, or, or Charlotte well, they, area. They, they do the song about Fisher road, but, but a lot of people don't really know that they're from here. You know, I mean, there's a kid yeah. like, you know, we're talking about off the air a minute ago. There's a kid that's on, uh, on the voice right now, Jake Haldewang that's, um, played the underground. He's a blues guitarist. He's, I think he's part of the Charlotte blues society. Yeah. He's a young kid. I don't even know how old he is, but I can tell you right now, he's a young kid. Got it. Got the, he's got everything, man. He's got the look, the voice, the, 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 the he's an amazing guitarist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, regardless of how far he ends up going on the, on the show right now, he is far enough that there, there's going to be some things happen for him. Yeah. And so, hopefully he will, uh, you know, he'll keep to claim the city and, uh, and make sure that people know that, you know, that this, this is yeah. where I'm from. The, the fact is, know. is like, he's 16, by the way. Is he 16? He's 16. Wait a minute. Jake is 16. It says Jake. Yeah. Age Man, 16, really artist was... of the year by the queen city music awards. Um, I thought he was older than that. No, he's only 16. Uh, he released his first song, uh, at the age of 14 called tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is he from Charlotte? He's from Charlotte. I don't watch a lot of TV, so yeah. but I do, I do watch The Voice sometimes. Dude, the guy's killing it, man. In. He's on Gwen Stefani's team. Like the guy is absolutely killing it. Are like, they getting close to the end? They're in the live. They're in the the battles at this point. So he's he's won some out. battles, but um, it's uh, I mean the the guys the guys fucking amazing. He had four turnarounds. I think four three or four Awkward. turnarounds. I think which is like you know it's kind of yeah. I guess it's a rare thing for the show. But um but the guy the guy's amazing, man. It's an amazing kid. Got it. He's got it going on. And you know. Th- there's a few bands that um, that are about to bust out of here, and like and I don't when I say a out bunch of here, of I don't mean like have, yeah, yeah that, I don't mean like bust out of here, like fucking see you later, I'm out, but like that are about to come They're out of this city and, and to do some big things, man, and uh, and hopefully that that they will all continue to claim like Charlotte is well, our home. Yeah, it always helps them to say in the in the industry, the entry as a whole, like. Hey man, this is where I'm from. You gotta check this. I mean, that's where how it's happened everywhere else. It's like you gotta yeah. check so and so's band out. These guys are, are are have been played shows with us. They're killing it. You know, they're on the right path, and uh, and it just brings it to more and more attention to uh, to your yeah. city. Yeah, I mean, I think we get a lot of like you know, I was telling you all about Quantrell Coakley. He he claims Charlotte, and mm-hmm. I'm telling y'all. He, I don't think he's going to leave Charlotte, but I mean, he is blowing up. I mean, mm-hmm. the NBA, that's, that's huge to have your music played on, on yeah. that. And, uh, yeah. so tell me about this indie pop scene here, man. Like you know, we talked yeah. about this, you know, you know, you produce a few of them and some of the tracks you were letting me listen to it. I remember th- sitting in your car thinking like, dude, this is here. Yeah. You're like, yeah. I was like, and you, you did this and this artist is here. Like this is, this is like artists from, from Charlotte. And I was fucking clueless, which when, yeah, I, when mean, I, like I thought for, that I was very in tune with, yeah. with what's going on. I, I mean, like, was not. There, there's a bunch of artists that are 
out of here or live here like part-time, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people, like I've noticed, um, cause I think like indie pop in general has really kind of originated out of New York, mm -hmm. like neon gold being one of the major, uh, not major, but like label subsidiaries, I guess that kind of like coined that, uh, French kiss records also out of New York. So like, um, I'd say like, you know, a lot of them hop between mm -hmm. if that makes any sense, but the kind of indie scene here, um, I mean, so Cubby is actually one of my favorite producers and he's doing a lot of indie pop. He does shit for a bunch of artists out of Atlanta, like Room Fortune. Um, he's doing this thing with Mag out in LA. Um, and you know, he's based in here, lives in Elizabeth. Um, I'm in a group called Mouth Sounds. That's been dope. And then I play with a couple international artists that will either come here or I go there. Um, and then, you know, Foreign Air, like all the band members live here. I think the singer, Jesse, he's living in Brooklyn right now, uh -huh. uh, but he's always here. Like the, there's a bunch of artists coming out of here. And then like the independent scene in general, like you ever just like go to snug on a Friday night. I mean, the amount of like just badass indie rock stuff, like not like kind of the heavier indie rock, but kind of like more of the angsty, uh -huh. you know, early twenties type of indie rock sort of shit. Right. Um, like, uh, it's like insane. Like it looks sad is from here. I think they have, you know, five or 10 million plays on one of their singles. Like they're from here foreign air, but they, they had like 35 or 40 million on like one of their last tracks. Um, yeah, There's it's 40 I mean, million streams. On one, on yeah. One foreign track. air. Yeah. Damn. Wow. I think like, well, a definitely least, at least 25, like they have, they have a bunch, but that's on one song. They have a bunch. Sure. Um, yeah, they're, they're killing it. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of artists that are just absolutely slaying it out of here. But um, yeah, so I guess I that's mean, what to your point as we were when, we, when you were like, dude, there's artists making mad money on streaming yeah. that's come out you know, that, that don't do a lot of shows and touring and whatnot. Yeah, um, so that I can see if there's if they've got twenty twenty five. Yeah, million, I think like you know a, I know yeah. what my guys make on on two hundred and fifty thousand and yeah, you know. But I think like also you know the thing with like rock music, for instance, because that's kind of more of your circle the way that rock is traditionally done is you do a record and then oh. you release it you know how we were talking about earlier is like if your consumer behavior changes your product and distribution must also mm. and rock is still prevalent like you see big rock artists you know or incorporating a lot of more rock stuff the thing is though there's a lot of like a lot of artists that are in rock um haven't progressed into kind of the new era of consumer behavior, like through Spotify. So they'll still record an album. Why the fuck are you recording an album? Oh, you're, not dude, selling, with you. you're not selling a record. Like the reason why people made a tw like 12 tracks is you had to sell something and it could hold 45 minutes of material. That's why vinyls exist. And then it came to CD. The thing is like, why don't you just like fucking record a single every week? Get, you know, a guy that, you know, that mixes the shit out of it for like 150 bucks, have everyone put together. If it's a five member band or whatever, mm -hmm. 600 bucks. What is that? Like one twelve fifty or something like mm -hmm. all together or that's terrible math. Something like that for like <laughs> whatever. One twenty five. I don't fucking know. But yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! We got a calculator. What is it? Look at that Six. Casio. <laughs> Six hundred yeah. divided by. This is how you do business with Mark. He'll bust out his little calculator. <laughs> yeah, buddy. You got a Texas instrument. Five member group. You pay hundred twenty bucks a month each, and now you get four singles out a month. And what happens is, if you get added to a playlist or something. Um, the rock playlists aren't nearly as competitive as pop or hip hop, which is cool. There's not as many listeners, but it's not nearly as competitive. Cool thing is, is when the way that a lot of people gain more loyal followings or they gain a lot more streams, um, 
so lo-fi hip-hop for instance you could repeat that shit all day classical music jazz you could repeat that shit all day and you're not really going to notice the hooks as much with rock stuff it's a little bit more heavy right so the repeatability of a single track is less if that makes any sense because sure. you're not going to listen to a single track by born of osiris like five times in a row you're just gonna like get fucking exhausted love born of osiris but like you're gonna get fucking exhausted right so the thing is is that if you don't have too much of a repeatability that means that you need more of diversification of your catalog so if you get one song and that kind of opens the door for that listener well if you have a large catalog and you're releasing a song every week or you know let's say conservatively you release two songs a month right so that is sixty dollars per band member right um you know throughout the year that's 24 tracks and for each um for each member involved 60 times what 24 that's a little over 1200 for the year that's fine yeah you know throughout the year everyone's devoted and so when somebody's opened up to that single track you know that'll give them an idea of like a catalog that they can start listening to and that's how you accumulate like more of a a long-term value of a fan the problem is is that people put out one single and it doesn't do that great but they don't they're not putting into perspective the Firstly, the repeatability of that track, the usage of that track in different scenarios, and the diversification of their catalog. Straight up, like, one of my buddies, <laughs> I, I'd like to mention it. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to mention this. <laughs> it's kind of it's funny what he's doing. Um, but he'll buy up. He has a contact at Pandora. Uh-huh. He didn't always have that contact. He moved his way into that contact. But, um, you know, he would basically essentially pay for consultations from their team. Uh, and he had become one of the homies of like one of their marketing guys or something like that. That got him into the door of some sort of playlister. Now he's tied with them. Well, it's kind of funny. He'll buy up classical, uh, like classical piano music, right? Uh, think of the repeatability of that, right? You can listen to that shit all day. Alexa, play some, you know, fucking bougie ass stuff so my girl thinks i'm impressive you know <laughs> so that's that's literally what i say and alexa follows me um alexa get me i'm all back anyways the repeatability of a track is something that's not like crazy high energy or something right you know that's why lo-fi hip-hop is so you know you can listen to that anywhere it's not really ever going to bother you so um he would buy up uh classical piano music from just like random composers and you'd be like hey bro like i'll pay you 300 bucks if you can make this track for me and they're like uh fuck yeah like where else am i gonna make 300 bucks if i can get this done in an hour and a half two hours right they can mix it themselves master it themselves because they're just playing on a midi keyboard well he has them on retainer you know and he has a max of like you know 10 tracks a month or something like that pays them three grand for you know he's building up a classical piano catalog the repeatability of that and somebody staying within that you know um within that style and he has some diversification of like the style of the piano classical music classical piano music right but he puts all of that into um essentially like into their algorithm and because he has such a diversification if somebody listens through one of them all the way you'll start showing the algorithm will show them stuff that is similar to that a lot of times it's the same music so he's just racking up streams doing like 10k a month passive mm. you know he's just building out his catalog we're in the wrong mm. business brandon right exactly. well it's just it all it all comes down to like your threshold that you, you need to get through for profitability and this is what mm-hmm. i messaged him about earlier is like i want to get back on tour with my own group so i've actually put a freeze on new production clients because i want to start focusing on 
um, really kind of, I, I don't know if it's going to turn into a label or something like that, because I think that's just the term label is just kind of dumb at this point. Um, but I'm thinking about like a, a boutique artist development group. I'm involved with like the majority of the songs or something like that. But, um, I was talking to him. I was like, I want to know the economics of a live show, like for, um, the overhead, um, kind of the point of sale for, you know, different stuff essentially. And like, what could be arranged? What leverage do you need with a venue to negotiate so-and-so to a point of profitability? I'm just trying to like run the economics because I love releasing music. It's great, but I also love releasing music and building it so more people can hear it. And there's a lot of amazing bands that stopped because they didn't get the amount of success that they truly thought they deserved. Um, like the business people, one of my favorite bands to ever come out of Charlotte. Oh, yeah. Those dudes are badass, and they just had their um, going the away show on show. Friday. Hmm. One of the best shows I've been to. It was their like going away show. Like they just didn't have good marketing. They were not seeing like money. I can, like- I can. Well, I mean, obviously there were some like I think you know, like with any band, you know, you're, it's like you're dealing with coworkers. <laughs> you did, yeah, you did, right. you're, you know? you're in a you're in a, a marriage, a, and it could be. Yeah, it's it's a Great. bit. You're in a business. Everyone's sharing equity of something that's right. not profitable. So really, you're just investing. Right. And, and they've been together for ten years. And I've I can seen say, those guys, she, quite a few times, man. They were they're so good, amazing. And so I can good. say, without a doubt, they had a marketing and advertising problem. If somebody came in and was like, "Hey, you have the product, you have the brand, everything's dope. Your records are amazing. It's super syncable. Like, holy fuck, like really syncable stuff." Oh, yeah. They had a couple placements on MTV, wow. and. You know, if somebody just came in and was like, hey, I'm going to invest this amount into you, like I can figure out how to make this profitable. You know, I think they could have had some larger records that really had an impact on a lot of kids. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, like I, I think, you know, I think that's why artist development is so fucking cool because, um, you know, and that's why Manners by Passion Pits, like, you know, that record saved my life it's because somebody came up to Michael Angelakis and was like, yo, I see this. Let's. Right. get it into more ears that need to hear it, you know, but that's the unfortunate thing is like people don't want to learn the business. Well, I think a lot of so. it too is they don't, there's not like a, a handbook. I mean, Brandon, you've everything you've done. I mean, you've taught yourself, you've taught myself, learned man. and it burns me up too, man. When you, you come across an artist or a band, that's like, man, I just want to hire somebody to do all this shit for me. I don't, I don't want to deal with all this. Yeah. wrong fucking well, that, answer. Well, then like, don't be surprised if you get a answer. shit deal. I yeah. mean, that's, it just comes down to leverage. It's like a lot of my friends, and I know people who are incredible artists, uh, but don't want to focus on any of the business stuff and they'll get a lot of notoriety, but they'll be broke as fuck. And I know people who only focus on the business stuff and aren't that good at music, you know, their product's not really there. That's, you know, basic way of saying is like their product's not really put together. They're great at marketing. Well, look at Soylent. <laughs> you know, <laughs> great marketing. Nobody fucking wants the product, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's, it's the same thing. And I think people look at music and they're like, oh, it's this mystery. Yeah, we have a more volatile industry. Yeah, I'd even question that it even is called an industry. You're in live entertainment, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and, you know, if, uh, like look at wedding bands. Is that the music industry? No, it's the wedding industry. <laughs> yeah. You know, look at even venues. You could argue it's actually just the alcohol industry. It's just they're specialized bars. Right. If you really think about it, it like at its most basic value, it's like it's a... Wow. 
it's a, a bar specializing in live entertainment. <laughs> yeah. I've never thought of it like that, but damn, you go to a concert and you buy two liquor drinks. I mean, you're well, like 40 bucks, two doubles. Cause you got to buy doubles. <laughs> well, Cause I like mean, nobody <laughs> wants to leave their seat. Well, so yeah. you're looking at like $26 for like a double, you know, well, check, whiskey. Yeah. Well, check gender. this out. Airlines, they're not in transportation. They're in credit cards and food. Mm-hmm. That's how they make their money. They break mm-hmm. even. You look like you actually really break down these business models and be like, okay, like, what is the point of their profitability with this service? You know, you buy an airline, t- Allegiant, look at Allegiant, for example, their business model, if you break that down, it's fucking genius. Love that shit. Like, I like studying other industries because I think everyone in the music industry is just like, oh, poor me, I'm broke. It's like, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> you could be making money. It's just like, don't focus on other broke people in the music industry. But like Allegiant, their flights, they lose money when you buy that. A thirty-five dollars ticket. Because they're so cheap, yeah. Yeah, but they know that their average sale is going to run over their point of profitability between the food that you buy, between the people who sign up for um, credit cards and they accumulate interest right. and fees, between like picking your own seat because you don't want to be like the broke douchebag who tells tells your girlfriend to sit in the back <laughs> so you can get like fifteen bucks cheaper. So there's a thirty-dollar sale for both of you, you know bringing your own bag and ends up being like a normal ticket you know to your point I'm, I'm definitely trying to get more artists to start in the uh the the mindset of like releasing singles yeah everyone's like i want to do a wild album what the fuck for like don't yeah. you know no one's gonna care give a shit about if you do an 11 song album no one's gonna care about nine of the, uh, of the songs yeah. they're only gonna focus on two it's a very dumb way to market or oh, yeah. even what casca sun did they did five songs they put it in a little cardboard like sleeve thing they handed them out for free I, it's the only CD I have in my car right now because I don't even know like where to find any yeah. of my CDs. But it's it's great because it's it was just enough to give me a sample of like what yeah. they sounded like, and I was like, oh, this, these guys are great. I like this. So yeah. maybe. singles, singles, yeah. singles, singles. Cool, man. Dude, thank you for coming in. Thanks, it's Mark. Fun. Yeah, because this was such a pain in the ass. Gonna, I know. Can we please I have know. the next um, the next podcast at your house? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's a blast. I'm going to come over and check it out this week. I would need to. Great. Yeah, I'm going to check out the new chair. You got a chair? Yeah, I got, fuck yeah. I got a, yeah. I got a new uh, desk chair. It's going to feel we'll great. Have, we'll have to post a picture of his, uh, his uh, neon sign yeah. in his bathroom. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, when you hang out with rock stars and, you know, famous people, you got to let them know the rules, you know? There's <laughs> Definitely. No blow in the bathroom. See, you know what's funny is I've been, I've the first time I ever got offered coke, I was like fifteen or sixteen. <laughs> I've never said yes to that shit. Like I've I've been like a good boy, <laughs> but by all means, like I've been in situations where like there's no way that I said no, and I said no. I was yeah. How hard? Well, is good for you. No? Look at me. <laughs> Drop out Look of school. Me, just say no to drugs. Like I dropped out mark. of school and like, you know, no Coke, but all my clients do. <laughs> <laughs> I just take away from their Coke money. Yeah. There you go. Jesus. Is this a good ending? Yeah. This is, a, this is a great note to end on. All right. No Coke in Mark's bathroom. And uh, there's a big oh, pink no. neon sign. Is it pink? <laughs> no, it's not. It's white. It's white? No, it's Coke. <laughs> oh, is it white or I could have gotten pink, but... <laughs> Well, thanks, Mark. We appreciate you uh, coming by and hanging out with us and uh, shooting the shit about all your rock star stuff with little old me, Brandon, and Ren. You I'm going to take you all to some metal shows. Let's do it. All right. Cool. cool. It was really cool meeting you, Mark. Thanks for coming in, buddy. Thanks, bud. Appreciate that. And uh, mark-eckert.com. I mean, I, I know it's a, a big goal of yours to 
not only help these artists as a producer in the studio, but really to be an important resource. So definitely reach out yeah. and um, bunch of free shit on my site. Exactly, so download it all exactly. and check out that pitch. It's the dot com, right? Yep. Yeah, thatpitch.com. If you're an artist, you're trying to get your shit into movies, TV shows, anything else with sync licensing, check out that. Or how to get it on Spotify. We talked about that too. There's yeah. a, it's that on your Instagram, right? It's in your bio. Yeah. Just stalk me. You'll find it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if she tried to stalk you earlier. She couldn't find you anything. Today and I was like, like I just. Internet yeah. ghost. <laughs> cool. All right. Love you. Goodbye. <laughs> all right. That's it for us. QC Confessional Podcast for Jenna Gribble. I am out. And Brandon Henson. It's time to stop it. You guys have a great night. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of mind-numbing schlock that's turning our society into a cultural wasteland. What are you, high? RadioCharlotte.com. Hello, I'm Angelo Dutzeris, a.k.a. CLT Mortgage Guy, President CEO of Leverage Lending. We are Charlotte's premier five-star rated local mortgage company. We understand the mortgage process may be confusing. At Leverage Lending, we leverage our online digital platform with our combined experience of over 20 plus years to create a streamlined process to get you from application to closing with ease. If you're in the market to purchase a home, we can get you in with as little as 3% down. Contact one of our expert consultants today to discuss your home finance needs. At Leverage Lending, we make lending easy. Leverage Lending Group, lending made easy. Call 704-248-8742 or visit their website, lendwithleverage.com. Equal housing lender, NMLS license number 40030.